think we need to bring levels down significantly. Nobody can hear me right now. We got to bring that music down a lot. And I think uh, maybe me up a little bit more, too. I don't know what's going on there. Weird levels coming into today's show. Hi, it's Glenn Clark Radio. That would make me Glenn Clark. I think it would make me Glenn Clark. He's Griffin. We got a lot to do over the course of the next couple of hours. Bet Fred is live in the state of Maryland. Gotta get on it. Baseball season just around the corner starts on Thursday. Bet $50 with Bet Fred, and you can get up to $1,111 in bonus Fred bets, but you can only take advantage of it. If you go right now to pressboxonline.com slash offers and click on the Bet Fred logo, otherwise you're out of luck. Coming up on the program today, we will have a return from our friend Debbie Antonelli in a few minutes. She was on with us on Friday. She said, hey, if Maryland beats Notre Dame, I want back on on Monday. And we said, all right, yeah, sure, you got it. So we're going to do that. Tonight, Maryland, South Carolina for a spot in the Final Four. Obviously, it's quite the tall task. No one has beaten South Carolina all season long. But Maryland looked really good in the second half they against did. Notre Dame. They're looking they really looked. good in the second half of the last two games they played in the NCAA tournament. So we will see. Can it be done? Is it possible for Maryland to slay the beast that is Aaliyah Boston and Dawn Staley's South Carolina Gamecocks? We'll talk about that with Debbie Antonelli in a bit later on in the program. Um, I, I sort of shared a thought about this over the weekend. I did not know that Mike Greenberg had gone through this like medical emergency last week. And he was supposed to join us last Friday, and it just didn't work out. As it turns out, we talked to him, and we actually recorded an interview for today's show. I don't normally tell you this. I normally just say we recorded it earlier. Um, but we actually recorded this on Friday afternoon with Mike Greenberg because – the man went through a medical emergency, and we had no idea. So we feel terrible that we didn't know. But it was great, and I can't wait for you to hear it. We had a really fun conversation with Mike Greenberg. We'll get to that later on in the program. And it's Monday, so, of course, we'll chat with Jeremy Kahn. And you never know what might pop up on a Monday edition of the show. Let's begin. By the way, the Lamarometer might look Lamar. might look different tomorrow. There might be something new. Oh, okay. You see, I was like, Lamar I was like, going to drop it a lot. I was like, <laughs> no, it just might look. There might be a new. I don't know exactly where it's going to go, but there might be a new addition to the Lamar meter come uh, tomorrow. Tyler Huntley's face. No, I don't believe that would be the one. Mm. Just by the way, Tyler Huntley's not under contract. Either. I guess. I guess Teddy Bridgewater's face. Maybe? They, we we got to be honest about that. Tyler Huntley still needs a deal just to be the backup. Just to be. I, by the way, I ended up getting into a. I don't remember who it was, but I got a debate, and then our friend Lindsay OK jumped in. About the fact, like I keep trying to tell everybody, there is no plan B here. It does not exist. It's the thing that I talked about with Stan on Friday's show. Like, you can say, hey, the Ravens have played this brilliantly and they're in great shape. Uh, okay. They don't have a quarterback and they haven't been able to upgrade their roster. What's the brilliant? Tell, stop me when you get to the brilliant part. You can say it looks like they've read the market correctly. But as of right now, that hasn't brought Lamar Jackson back to them. So when do we get to the brilliant part? When does it start to pay off for the Baltimore Ravens, how brilliant they were? I, I, again, I don't know what this is. If you're just like rooting for depressed salaries, then you're probably thrilled. I would be okay with them overpaying 
if that meant they could structure their cap in a way that they could, you know, have football players. Well, they did. They, they added well. <laughs> The number was 64% on Friday. The number today is 64%. Oh, man. 64%. Second time I just leave the uh, Lamar meter alone. You don't think the Lamar the you don't think... Uh, the addition you, of Nelson Aguilar changes yeah. zip. So that was brought up to I me. I gotta come back. That's what Lamar's saying. Our friend Shauna brought that up to me on Friday. She was she said, "Hey, how does the Nelson Aguilar signing impact the Lamar meter?" And I was like, I was trying to figure out which way she thought it would go. And I was like, which, which way would anybody think that a a Nelson Aguilar signing would impact Lamar Jackson? We can make fun of Nelson Aguilar we all we want. The truth is. I don't think he can be worse than what the Ravens were running out there at wide receiver last season. I know we all have hopes for Devin Duvernay, and because Devin Duvernay has been a talented special teams player, we like Devin Duvernay. But if we're being truthful, Devin Duvernay's not done anything as a wide receiver. Like, we have no idea if he's a good wide receiver or not. Zero. He's made a couple plays. The Ravens don't have wide receivers outside of, you hope, a healthy Rashad Bateman. They have nothing. So, you know, you can make fun of Nelson Aguilar, but, like, is he definitely worse than what you got? Here's what you'll make fun of Nelson Aguilar about. You'll make fun of Nelson Aguilar about the fact that the Ravens, who care so desperately about compensatory picks felt the need to give up what probably would have been a I, I think I saw from um, some of the some, a, a sixth round compensatory pick for Josh Oliver by virtue of signing a true free agent in Nelson Aguilar now what's been brought up by a bunch of people is Nelson Aguilar has a ton of relationships he was with T Martin at USC he was with Greg Lewis in Philadelphia there's a ton of relationship between Nelson Aguilar and the Ravens coaching staff. And that's all well and good. It doesn't change the fact that Nelson Aguilar is not a productive wide receiver. And even if you saw through that, you would still have to bring up the fact that he has had an issue with catching the football. I, I, I don't, again, on the whole, do I, am I bothered by Nelson Aguilar? No. Do I think he's any better than some guy that you could have picked up off the scrap heap once... The compensatory formula was solved? No, I don't think that either. Now, I don't really care all that much about compensatory picks. I've never been that guy. I would rather have good football players. The problem is, I don't think that Nelson Aguilar is a good football player. I, 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 I'm befuddled. It's like when I was befuddled by their decision to sign. Like the, the year that they signed Benjamin Watson, I got it. They needed a tight end. But he was in his upper 30s. And that's what you were going to use a true free agent signing on when you never signed football players? I don't mind you signing Marcus Williams. Sign Marcus Williams every day of the week. But Nelson Aguilar? I'm I'm largely neutral about Nelson Aguilar, but the that part of it, just because of the Ravens' history with compensatory picks and the things they haven't been willing to do to suddenly do that, I guess leaves me more negative than positive. But in no way is Lamar Jackson would he be moved. Imagine 
Like I, I, and I said this, I don't know that even trading for DeAndre Hopkins would suddenly make Lamar Jackson run back in and say, all right, that's it. We got to get the deal done. I mean, when you're this far into the process, I, you could trade for DeAndre Hopkins and Mike Evans, and I'm not sure that it's going to impact Lamar Jackson's situation all that much. He's dug in. So Nelson Aguilar is sure not going to do that. Might it make Lamar Jackson roll his eyes a little bit more? Like, really, this is what you're doing for me at wide receiver? Maybe, but I don't think so. I don't think it's going to make Lamar Jackson feel any less interested in returning to Baltimore because they signed Nelson Aguilar. The other stuff from the weekend, I mean, we handled the Ken Francis stuff on Friday. I, I am, I got to be honest with you, you guys are kind of showing your ass a little bit on this. You want to? Com- I have seen people this weekend compare Lamar Jackson to Antonio Brown. Get the entire f out of here with that. I think he's making an embarrassing decision to partner with somebody that appears to be a snake oil sal- salesman. But one, I don't even know that. That's trust me, I've done no actual work on Ken Francis. But that doesn't hurt anybody. Like, you guys are really going out of your way to show your ass sometimes. None of this affects your life. None of this affects... Stop. I'm finding it harder and harder to root for Lamar Jackson. Why? Why? Give me one actual reason. I had someone attempt to tell me it was because... Well, you know, we were supposed to believe he was all about winning. Right, well, you know, we're supposed to believe that the teams are all about winning, too. And yet, you know, it's weird how they don't have a quarterback right now and didn't improve their roster. So what way does it go? If you're still, if, if this is a romantic feeling that you have, that you believe that there's some somebody somewhere... I mean, maybe Steve Cohen is that guy, the owner of the Mets. Maybe he's the guy that's proven, like, he's the one person that, to hell with anything else, all I care about is winning. There's there's no, this is nonsense. It's a fairy tale, if that's what you were caught up in. I, By the way, for the, for the record, I believe that Lamar Jackson badly wants to win a Super Bowl. I don't think that's changed. I think he also wants to get paid. And I think he wants to get paid the amount of money that he wants to get paid. But I don't think it changes the fact that he wants to win a Super Bowl in any way. The other stuff this weekend was this thing from Peter King in the um, Football Morning in America column that says, well, nobody at the owners' meetings is talking about Lamar Jackson. Nobody's in, in a way that would suggest that there is an offer sheet coming. But it doesn't surprise me. That's not new. That's where we've been. Whether it's because of collusion, whether it's because the teams simply look and say, why would we do this? The Ravens are just going to match, so we'd be wasting our time. we got to clear cap space. What is the point? I'm not surprised by it. You could go back and say, well, hey, if Lamar Jackson is not going to make himself available, Mike Florio wrote today that Lamar Jackson should have flown himself out to Phoenix. 
if the teams have all said we're not going to talk to anybody else in your camp because none of them are certified, then you yourself should get on a plane, fly out to the owners' meetings. By the way, John Harbaugh is slated to meet with the media this morning, and if he says something that warrants us making an emergency move to the Lamar <laughs> meter, we will. But it was an interesting thought for Mike Flora. Get on a plane. Go do it. But, like, again, if you're being held back, if the Ravens saying very loudly with every move they've made, we are going to match any offer sheet you get is what's preventing you from getting offer sheets, then what is the point? You could say to make a spectacle out of it, but then, you know, wouldn't we say how selfish Lamar Jackson is? He's going out and making it a spectacle. It's all about him. Wouldn't we do all of those things if that's the case? Is there any scenario where you think Lamar can, I guess, I don't know, win at this point? Like, because if he does win? fly him, yeah, like, I don't like, because everyone is going to be like, as you just said, if he flies himself out there, he's making a spectacle. Well, I don't think there was ever a world where he's going to fly himself out there. Right. I don't think right. that was ever on the table. I think that was Mike Flores but is there, saying is, something to say something. Is there anything he can do to not, I guess, get backlash or scrutiny from. I mean, I mean, someone will always, but yeah, I don't think so. I mean, like that's sort of the the nature of the world. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I have said this already a few times on social media. We're being dramatic. We're being wildly over dramatic. However, it happens if the Ravens and Lamar Jackson were to come to an agreement a month from now, two months from now, whatever it would be, before the season begins, none of us will care. Like this stuff, we're like, well, the big trust is gone or the relationship is eroded. We are slaves to the moment. We are slaves to recency. Right now, it's what we have to talk about. Right now, it's what's going on. If you listen to Sports Talk Radio, if you listen to this show, if you watch this show, if you do any of it, there's there's nothing else to discuss. Now, when the Orioles start playing games on Thursday, it probably dissipates a little bit, as long as the Orioles are as relevant as we hope they'll be. For at least hopefully a week, yeah. Well, I would for a week. Yeah. Well, you think the Orioles are gonna fall apart in I a mean, week? Who knows? Who knows? It's a very they, they weird. Have, they statement. have in the past. Griffin. They what have in the past. Bit. So, um, this will become a distraction of some sort. The moment that if Lamar Jackson agrees to a new deal, and has a huge game in the Ravens opener this year, it's all over. No one will think for even a second about the process that played out. We're all showing our ass. Every single one of us. Admittedly, I've probably shown my ass in this process. And if I'm being honest, I'm probably the most realistic person that there is. And I've shown my ass. We just say stupid things. Well, it appears like the relationship between the fans and Lamar Jackson has eroded. Today, for some of them... You, you know what it's like when the Ravens play football? You ever been around for one of those weeks? It's the only thing that matters. One big game. One. And we will never discuss Ken Francis again. What are we doing? It's so insanely stupid. We are just slaves of the moment. Now, again, if it doesn't work out... If Lamar Jackson holds out, then yeah, it's going to continue to be a problem. Undoubtedly. We don't have that yet. We don't know. We have no clue how this is going to go. So I'm not moving it. 64%. And we'll see what John Harbaugh says today. And if there's something interesting in there, then we'll move it. But you know what I'm going to guess he's going to say? We want Lamar to be our... We love Lamar <laughs> Jackson, and we're working to make sure he's our quarterback. We're planning on him being our quarterback. 200%. This 
I, I don't. That, that's well, I don't think he'll say that because he didn't say that the first time. We all just put those words right, in his right. mouth. We made it seem like he said 200% Lamar Jackson was going to be the quarterback. He didn't say that. He said 200%. I want Lamar Jackson to be the quarterback, and he might say that again. Do you still want Lamar Jackson to be your quarterback? Yes, 201%. Not eight-minute abs, seven-minute abs. Like, that's that's where we are. Um, so, you know, if if something interesting comes up, we'll adjust, we'll adjust the meter. But right now, I'm stuck at 64. By the way, it's also been 10 days, 10 days since we've been teased about the Jackson-Jackson interview series. <laughs> Jackson and Jackson. He knows how to create suspense and hype. Ten That's days. <laughs> like I, it's the but it's the least weird part about everything. <laughs> I get it. Like this is sort of what we're dealing with. I think Lamar has made some missteps when it comes to business decisions. I think that I I would certainly do things differently than he's done them. But my God, again, this all gets solved. The moment you put a pen to a paper, all's good, all's good. Because you know what isn't all good, and this is the part again. I'll, I'll, I'll and I'll we'll move on and we'll talk some Maryland women things like that. Uh, there are other things that we need to address, by the way, on today's show. Um, but I, the part we want to keep ignoring, is the part where we say, "Well, the Ravens have all of the leverage," which is not true. They don't. Because the Ravens, as I keep trying to tell you, have no backup plan. There's nothing else. It's Lamar Jackson or you stink. That's it. Unless they know that Anthony Brown is wildly better than we've ever seen. Because we've seen enough of Tyler Huntley to know that's not the case. But maybe because we haven't seen enough of Anthony Brown, there's some world where it could be. And by the way, again, Tyler Huntley's still not under contract. There is no backup plan here. There is no plan B. If you're Lamar Jackson, the Ravens can say to you, hey, man, the market hasn't moved. You know, like that this is what the market is. And he gets to say right back, yep, but not for you. My value to you is astronomical because you don't have another choice. You don't have another option. You're just going to... Why in... Look, I know that uh, Rick Schaefer, the former NFL agent who was on with us on Friday, said, well, if I'm Lamar, I hold out for all of camp but not the regular season. And a lot of people on the internet pointed this out, and I would agree with him. Well, I definitely wouldn't announce that. I would make it abundantly clear that I, I am willing to sit out for the regular season. Maybe I show up at some point and take part of my money. But I want them to sweat this thing out. I want them to think that there's a serious risk that they're not going to have their quarterback this year and they're going to be cheeks because of it. And then the real risk beyond that is that this thing drags out. And next year, you're going to go through this game all over again? You're going to run the risk of okay, maybe we don't tag him because it didn't do anything for us and now we can just lose the quarterback without getting anything for him in return? If I'm Lamar Jackson, there's no world in which I'm not considering the idea that I would sit out for the regular season. 
Because you need to turn up the heat as much as you can in these contract conversations. Lamar Jackson's got way more leverage than you guys want to admit. Because the Ravens have painted themselves into a corner where it's Lamar Jackson or nothing. Well, they could always trade him. Nope. He's got to sign the tender for them to be able to trade him. Or agree to an offer sheet that they match in order for them to be able to trade him. They certainly wouldn't be able to trade him to a team without already having an agreement in place. And if the market says that nobody's willing to give Lamar Jackson what he wants, then how are they going to work out that trade? Who are they going to trade him to? You guys are way off on this. There's no backup plan. He's got way more leverage with the Ravens than you recognize. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. I promise I will not only be discussing Lamar Jackson today. we got other things to get into, like a big game tonight. Maryland tries to slay the beast, tries to take down South Carolina and advance to the Final Four. Joining us now, so very kind with her time. She is back with us after she was with us on Friday. She said, hey, Maryland wins. You're going to have me back, right? (laughs) We would have cleared out the whole day. She is the great Debbie Antonelli from ESPN, and she'll be on the call tonight. She's back with us here on GCR. Debbie, thank you so much for taking the time for us again. We really appreciate it. Hey, guys, great uh, to talk to you again. This is a big day, and it should be a fun day. I have so much that I want to get into because I, it's it's really interesting to me, Debbie, these last two games, the Arizona game and now the Notre Dame game. Maryland has looked brilliant, right, as they've come out of the half, as as things have changed during the course of the game. My My dumb guy, you know this far better than I, but my dumb guy thought would be they need to play that way for 40 minutes tonight if they're going to have a shot at South Carolina. Are you at all concerned about, I don't even want to say slow starts, but maybe just not clicking or playing their best basketball until deeper into games these last two times out? Um, I, I'm not concerned. I mean, obviously, uh, Brenda is really good when her team comes out of the locker room after they've made some adjustments and, and they come out with a different look. It was a 1-3-1 looking to trap in the second half against Notre Dame. That changed the rhythm of the game. I'm a big believer in you can't play the same way all the time, especially on the defensive end. There's got to be times inside the game where you just change it up for a possession or two. Are you you know, change what you're doing on your ball screen coverage or you, you extend your pressure. And I think Brenda knows that better than anyone else. And she does a really good job of in-game adjusting. And I think you have to have played in this environment before, which she has done six other times, yep. or excuse me, seven, seven times with a chance to go to the Elite Eight. And I think she definitely knows how to get her team ready for this moment. I'm sure they'll be ready, and they're going to need to play really well to beat South Carolina. Um, is it so? Which way would you go? Would you go? It's more encouraging that Maryland played as well as they did without Diamond Miller being, you know, as brilliant as we know her to be capable of being, or is it more discouraging that Diamond Miller comes in tonight coming off what wasn't her best game of the season? 
No, I'm not worried about Diamond. I think she understands um, at this level what her responsibility and role is with her team. Um, certainly they missed her because she's so long and athletic and active on the glass. This is a, a South Carolina team that I think, based on some numbers and just my experience, is maybe the most daunting, the best defensive team in the history of the game. Mm -hmm. It's going to require an incredible effort to be able to knock them out this year. But, you know, the, the things that Maryland does and does well are some things that could cause some problems for South Carolina. And Diamond's going to have to be on top of her game, and I expect she will be. She is Debbie Antonelli. She is with us here on GCR again. Maryland, South Carolina tonight for a spot in the Final Four, 7 o'clock on ESPN. Um, Debbie, let's let's go to it. Um, South Carolina was suffocating, obviously, against UCLA on Saturday how are they it's not as if they've been completely invulnerable all season we've seen them go to overtime a couple times this year we've seen teams have chances against them in what ways when they've been vulnerable why have they been been vulnerable how can there be a roadmap for Maryland to be able to take down this this Goliath that is South Carolina you know, of course, I've been digging in the numbers and looking for those kinds of answers myself. And, you know, the one thing about South Carolina, they have out-rebounded every team significantly all season. The only team that they did not out-rebound was one of those overtime games that you alluded to. That was, South, that was against Stanford. And actually, Stanford made a couple of bad decisions at the end of the game that they usually don't make. That could have been a W for Stanford. But then... Teams that either have a combination of this, spread offense and size. The other games that uh, they have played, there's been four other games that they've played where they have won the rebounding margin by single digits. And that is a team like UCLA. Both times, UCLA stayed with them on the glass. It has a lot to do with their spread offense, their stretch fours and fives that can spread the floor and bring the bigs away from the basket and then crash the glass, uh, a team like South Dakota. South Carolina only out-rebounded them by seven. That was, again, another stretch and spread offense. I think those are the keys to having to play well. And then everybody caps in the paint. You're going to have 10 feet in the paint when you're playing against them. You're forcing them to actually play horse because that's what it looks like when you watch the way teams defend South Carolina. There could be 10 to 12 to 15 feet. Wow. away from some of their shooters because they don't have elite-level shooters. Mm -hmm. If they did, we would not even be having this conversation. I mean, they would be just wiping teams away, <laughs> yeah. and they're doing that already right. based on their style and their size. It's a, it, it's a fair point. So you're, you're kind of living and dying with, hey, look, if they make shots tonight, we, we're going to be in trouble. We, we have no choice. We have to sell out inside. We have to be aware. It's, it's not just Aaliyah Boston, obviously, but, like, we – we can't let that be how they beat us. No, you have to play the numbers and the analytics. And, and as, as you watch South Carolina all season, the defensive game plan does not change. Everyone brings the same plan. You know, the, the thing is, is that you got to hope that they don't make shots. Even Zaya Cook, who is their leading scorer, who takes their most shots, is having a career best year from the floor, and that's 40%. So she's become more efficient as a guard, but she gets a lot of open looks. And so she's shooting 40% from twos and 36% from threes. And then you can't foul them. They're a very good free throw shooting – or Zaya Cook's a very good free throw shooter. So in a late game, she can handle the ball 
and, and take care of stuff. But they're not in many late-game situations, to be honest with you. Right. So um, this is, you've got to stay on the glass. I mean, you've got you to gotta pack it in, and you've got to play horse and hope they miss. Uh, we talked to you about this when it came to Notre Dame, but you know these teams obviously played way a very long time ago at the beginning of the season, and it was a rather lopsided South Carolina victory in College Park. Do you think that matters in any way going into this game? The the, the fact that they played, that they saw each other, that what it does, you know, for Maryland, how long they've been thinking about it, any of that stuff, does that matter going into tonight? I think it matters in that you've already stood up next to them and the intimidation of their size isn't going to be a factor like it is if you've never seen them. I mean, when you see them come out on the floor, I mean, they come running out of the locker room with 6'7", six, 6'5", six, and a bunch of 6'4s, and they're long with a wingspan, and they've got great tenacity and great um, connectedness on the uh, defensive end. So. You know, they can recover. They've got the best shot-blocking team potentially in the history of the game. Um, they, they just they have some things that can be intimidating, and having seen them or sized them up, I think that will help. All right, so is, is there anything to be said for Debbie Antonelli with us here on GCR? The idea that maybe Maryland feels like they're playing a little bit with house money, like nobody – Nobody thinks we can do this anyway. Like, do you make anything of that conversation that that could allow them to be looser going into a game like tonight? A hundred percent. I mean, and then the other thing is, you know, Maryland does have five wins against top 10 teams this season. Now they did not beat South Carolina. Nobody has that many top 10 wins. And the last time Maryland had five top 10 wins was the 2006 season when they won the title. So I think they, they will be prepared. They're not going to be intimidated. You've got to have a couple of things go your way. There's no question about that. Um, but um, I think that they will be free and loose, and, and I think they have nothing to lose. If you can put some game pressure on South Carolina, make them have to make some shots under duress, whether that's under the duress of being wide open or time and score situations, and you got to score on the other end. You can't turn the ball over in a live situation. You can't overpenetrate. You got to move it, and you got to make shots yourself. I mean, it sounds like it's a simple recipe, but it is really hard because South Carolina is really good. No, no question, no question at all. But look, you know, you had to beat them at some point if you're going to win a national championship. So why not, right? Like, why not be this be the night that you put together that magical performance? It would go down as one of the greatest moments in Maryland basketball history if you can pull it off. Um, Debbie, I, I just wanted to get your thoughts. I know it wasn't your game, but my God, Caitlin Clark last night, a, a 40-point yeah. triple-double. And I, I've said, you know, it's funny, Maryland uh, smoked Iowa uh, at home uh, earlier in the season. And I sort of said I was a little bit disappointed because I tuned in for a Caitlin Clark show too, and I didn't get that. Um, what she has done, I, it, it, how do you describe the player that Caitlin Clark has been and what she's continuing to do, further etching her name into the history books? Well, not for you, but for others. I'm like, welcome to the party. My goodness. I mean, it's not something that we didn't know last year. She led the nation in scoring and assists last year, and no one has ever done that in the history of the women's game. Okay, so it's not a surprise to see what she's been capable of doing and, and how she's matured inside her game and her leadership and what she has meant. And on the greatest stage, to be able to put a 40-point triple-double on the board is just ridiculous. 
I mean, I'm old enough to be around a long time. I've seen some incredible performances. I actually was asked about this last night about midnight to give a quote to one of our ESPN writers about the significance of what she has done just last night. I was in Atlanta in 1993, the last time Iowa and Ohio State, who's on the other side of the bracket playing tonight as well against Virginia Tech, made it to the Final Four. I saw Cheryl Swoops drop 47, but I also lived through the Jackie Stiles era of watching her play through double teams and boxing one and triangle two with two guarding her, and she still drops 30 on them. So I've, I've seen some incredibly remarkable through the course of the history of our game, and when you watch what Caitlin does, I'll tell you this, Griff, I went to Iowa in the middle of February, I had a game out there, and I went early, and I spent two hours, just me and Caitlin, in the Carver-Hawkeye Arena, just the two of us, and I broke down with her different aspects of her game. If you go to my Twitter feed, at Debbie Antonelli, and you go back to, you know, uh, end of February, and I'm going to repost all of these things today, but she breaks down her game. She tells you what her scout is. She tells you her synergy scouting report. She tells you what she likes. She tells you what happens when she goes right. She tells you that she loves her step back on the left. She gives you the game plan and no one can stop her. South Carolina, should they win, is the game that people have been pointing to. Now, I'm not discounting Maryland because I've known Brenda for a long time and it's not an easy challenge. But if you looked ahead and you went, the greatest defense of all time against potentially the greatest offensive player that we've seen in the women's game. And that's a mouthful to say that because we've had a lot of great offensive players. But Caitlin is absolutely amazing. She will deservedly so win many individual awards. But having spent two hours with her in the gym, breaking down the game and her skill set and different concepts inside the game, I can tell you, This kid has got the heart of a winner. She cares about her teammates, and they want to see the team succeed, and they know it's behind the play of her skill set. And so it's a really cool thing to watch Lisa Bluter, the head coach at Iowa, put it all together. It is a joy. I mean, she is absolutely beyond worth the price of admission. We don't have to pay to watch her on TV, and we should. It's incredible to see what she can do. Um, hopefully Maryland will be inspired by uh, Kim Mulkey saying that South Carolina was going to win ahead of time. Hopefully that can work as some uh, maybe motivation for tonight. Uh, and, you know, Debbie, we absolutely have to give you credit because when we talked to you on Friday, you not uh, you called it. We asked if our guy Anthony Walker in Miami had a shot. Not only did they have a shot, obviously they're on to the Final Four, which is a really yeah. incredible story as well. Um, Debbie, before I you let know you – You know what, Griff, before you – yeah, before you, you, you cut me off, I yeah. want to tell you, um, before you let me go, uh, you know, I was in Albany first and second round, as you know, and we actually had two teams come out of there and go to the Final Four because I also had UConn. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see what those two teams have done on the start of their journey in the tournament and where they have landed. And, yes, Anthony Walker, what a great story, and, and what a great story Miami is this year. People were downplaying the ACC all season. Those of us that work in the league, uh, and I have worked in the league for many years, know that how good the league is. It's just a little blip on the screen right now for them 
as a league, but certainly not for Miami. What an incredible job Jim Laranega has done. No doubt. No question about it whatsoever. Uh, uh, Debbie, before we let you go, I wanted to give you an opportunity. You have an event that you do with the Special Olympics, um, and, and I, I just found out about it. I think it's a really cool concept. I know it's still a little ways away, but you want to tell everybody about it? Yeah, thank you, Griff, for letting me do that. Very quickly, I'll tell you, uh, I have three boys. My middle son has Down syndrome. We have used Special Olympics as a tool for our family and for our son, and it's a great landing spot for families like mine that helps your kids stay organized and compete and give them a chance to socialize with friends. And my son's a, a college grad of the Clemson Life Program, so he does really well. He's an incredible athlete. But I created 24 Hours Nothing But Net. It is a 24-hour free-throw shooting marathon to raise money for Special Olympics. I make 100 free throws on the top of every hour for 24 straight wow. hours. So at the end of 24 hours, I've made 2,400 shots. In four years, we have raised over $635,000. I am tracking a million, and my four-year free-throw shooting average grip is 93%. Damn. Damn. So I don't know what's wrong with these kids. They can't make free throws. I'm Man. an old lady out there with getting AARP mail, and I'm knocking them down in my driveway. <laughs> That's incredible, Debbie. I, I, I don't know how you lift your arms <laughs> at some point during all of that. Uh, 24hoursnbn.org, correct, is the way for people to find out yeah. more? In 24hoursnbn.com. Sorry, and if you. every one of your listeners would give one penny for every free throw I make, that's $24 that goes directly to Special Olympics. I am out in the hot Charleston, South Carolina sun, um, working to get ready for this event. And uh, I cannot wait to see that uh, total click over to a million dollars one day. And I know it's going to be coming soon. And I appreciate you giving me a chance to share that with your listening audience. But uh, just a penny. If everyone give one penny to 24hoursnbn.com, It'll help us get there closer. Love that you're doing that, Debbie. Uh, we're gonna this is the way. If Maryland pulls it off tonight, we're obviously gonna have to talk again before the final four because we can't mess with the juju that we've got working at the moment. Um, greatly appreciate. You got it, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. Enjoy the game tonight. All right. You got it, Griff. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you guys. That's Debbie Antonelli, uh, Maryland, South Carolina tonight at seven on ESPN. It's a it's a polite thing that she's attempting to. I I appreciate it. This happens all the time. I'm not even going to bother. She's chatting with Griffin because he's booking the interview, and so it, it, it's fine. It's totally fine. She should have jumped right in and some, been like, oh, excuse me. Some people. And I, and, like, and she might even say, like, I really wish you would have. I, it's not germane to the, like, the topic at hand. Yeah. It's just not that important to me. I don't have enough of an ego. Maybe I should, but I don't have enough of an ego. I just don't care. I care about the content. That's what I care about. Um, obviously, uh, another wild weekend as from the time that we last talked, there were still two one seeds in the NCAA tournament and now there's not even a three seed. So I got to figure out, there's two people that are still alive in our bracket contest. Mm. If UConn wins the title, whoever, the, the person who's currently in 27th place. Is that me? That's not me. It's not you. It's yeah, somebody named Bugsy's Banshees. Okay, Bugsy. I got to look, I got to figure out who that is. I'm gonna have to dig through all my texts. Figure out who that is. Bugs if UConn wins the title, they win. If not, Ryan Chell defaults to the winner because nobody else has points available. <laughs> like 
We are, it is it is over. Wow, Everybody no else, one else has wow. any points available. None. Zero. It's all frozen. No one else has even a championship game team. A few people had UConn in the Final Four. Like, a few people did get that. But that's it. That's the end of the available points for everyone except Bugsy's Banshees. And UConn, of course, now is the overwhelming favorite to win the title. So he's got to be feeling pretty good. But considering how this has gone, they could just as easily lose to Miami. We could be talking about a Miami-Florida-Atlantic South Florida championship game on Monday night in Houston. That could be the way that it could go. Um, I I don't – a few things that stood out to me, I don't know why Kansas State – this thing where you keep – there's plenty of time. You can keep going for two. You can keep going for two. I I don't know, man. (laughs) Like, under 20 seconds, I don't know if – maybe under 15 seconds – they never even got a look for three at the end of the game, obviously, Kansas State. Considering they've been hitting bombs, I probably would have in the possession before said, this is going to be the possession. This is the one. It's easy to say in hindsight, but in the moment I was feeling that. When they went to the basket and there were six seconds left, like you're asking for a lot of things to occur, particularly given that you can't advance the ball. I would maybe feel differently about that if you could advance the ball. And I know these guys can get up the floor in, in three seconds or whatever it is any longer, but you're kind of out of control when you do that. And knowing that the most likely scenario is that the other team is going to make their free throws and you're going to need a three to tie anyway, now you got to do everything instead of in 15 seconds, in six seconds tops from that point. So I thought that was a mistake from Kansas State, but take nothing away from Florida Atlantic, man. Like, that... That one to me, like they had kind of gotten a little bit of an, I don't want to say easy path, but the fact that they were able to avoid playing Purdue in the second round definitely helped them. Now they're on, obviously, to the Final Four with a legitimate chance. UConn has just been pounding everyone. Yeah. They, like it, slaughtering. 15 points was the closest game. I yeah, think it was it, the second it, round game. It, it yeah. was never competitive against Gonzaga after like the 10th minute. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, really. <laughs> I think they were only up by seven at the half, but like it never, it didn't feel competitive, and it was never saw- competitive in the second half. I will say a couple of people brought up, you know, a lot of foul controversy this weekend. Not just the end of the Creighton San Diego State game, which I get the complaint, but again, there's definitely with the left hand a a body grab. There's no question about that. If all you're looking at is the right hand, you're like, dude, we'll what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. You miss the left hand. There's absolutely a body grab there. And pretty easy that you can turn someone and alter a shot with the body grab and probably feel like you can get away with it because everybody's looking at the ball and looking at your other hand. So if you want to say they didn't have to call that, I guess, maybe. But there's no debating to me that it is a foul. Like, there's a foul was committed on that play. But it speaks to, I think, a bigger problem maybe that exists in college basketball, and I brought this up. I think college basketball, like the NBA doesn't have a fouling problem, in part because the NBA doesn't have a defense problem. And I'm not trying to pretend like it's the bit where no one ever plays, like every game is the all-star game. It's not that. But we all know the difference. There is much less defense being played in the NBA than there is in college basketball. It's part of 
what NBA fans like about it is it allows the game to be about the scorers. It allows the game to be about the stars. Much less likely to have those Pistons and Spurs teams of the mid-aughts today. You don't want to see games in the 80s. That's not what you're looking for as an NBA fan. So the NBA doesn't have to deal with this. College basketball, they still do this. They still, and, and, and I'm not trying to say one is better than the other. It's just the way that it goes. Well, college basketball is better. So. It's, I love college basketball, but I love the NBA too. I think they're just different products. But college basketball, despite the fact that the game is far different, hasn't adjusted at all, and it leads to scenarios where those two fouls that Drew Timmy picked up to start the third, the the second half on Saturday night were both soft fouls. Like again, can they be called? I mean, the one I didn't I didn't even think could be called. Like the one didn't even come off like a foul to me. Um, but whatever. I, I'm not rooting for Gonzaga. I didn't bet any money on Gonzaga. I don't care about Gonzaga. But I'm sitting down watching a game, and the most marketable player left in the tournament is now taken off the floor because of two kind of softish fouls. And the game becomes a laugher afterwards because it can't go through Drew Timmy. It's impacting my experience as a viewer. Now, does that mean stop calling fouls? No. Does it mean that college basketball might be wise to radically rethink penalties, radically rethink how many fouls someone can commit? There's a bigger issue in the in college basketball where there's a lack of star power. How many known commodities are playing in the Final Four this weekend? The answer rhymes with zero. UConn's pretty good. I mean, the, no, 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 not not programs, okay. players. Yeah, I that mean. none. There's not a single star known commodity outside of hardcore basketball fans. Not one. College basketball has been impacted unlike any other sport by the fact that players either never go to college to begin with or go professional, even with the one-and-done, you know, or even with the straight to the NBA pipeline being taken away. Players are still going the G League route. <clears throat> They're at most playing one season of college basketball. There aren't star players. Griffin and I talked about this week ago. It was interesting to me that like, the NIL commercials were all for women in this March Madness because, you know, those are players that have been around for a little while. We know Caitlin Clark is a known commodity. Aaliyah Boston is a known commodity. Arguably transcendent. Those players, Drew Timmy was the closest thing to that in the men's tournament. Like, Shibwe was Zach Eady. Yeah. Just all you these, know. like, freaky-looking guys. Yeah, they're the just only big. Ones. That's yeah. it. That's it. Brandon Miller, but he was unmarketable because of, you know, him. Um, I, I think college basketball has to recognize that, like, they don't want their star players not playing in the games. And especially because it's going to have to be more big men who are the commodities because the path to keeping someone around for four years is that they're not as desirable to the NBA and the big men are the ones that are more likely to pick up fouls. At some point, you might want to think about a sixth foul. You might want to think about other things that you could do. 
is there a point in the game in which, I don't know, in the last five minutes you get an extra foul, something like that, right? Like, I, just something that you need to think about because it's not good for this. You can say, hey, well, that's artificial, that's fake. Fine, say it's artificial or it's fake. It, we all know that a foul can be called. It's sort of like holding in football. You can call fouls on just about anything. When guys start driving, there's gonna be there's only so much space on the floor. The NBA used to have a problem with this because it used to be a big man's game, right? Like the NBA used to have a legitimate problem with stars fouling out. That's kind of done now. It's not a big man's game. You're not gonna pick up six fouls defending on the perimeter, particularly when there's not a whole lot of defense to begin with. So it's not a problem there, but it's a problem in college. Because these are the guys. You need these guys. You need them to be on the floor. You need them to be more compelling. You need the games to be more interesting. So I think at some point you have to think about it. It's dramatic. It's radical. And I'm the only one that's really screaming about it. So it's not going to... But it was not good for college basketball for Drew Timmy to get two soft fouls and for the game to just be over and everybody to be flipping over and finding out what's going on, you know, on on Tubi instead on Saturday night. That's not good for a marquee game in the sport to be impacted by two soft fouls. And again, I don't care about Gonzaga at all in any way. If anything, Mark Few has kind of shown himself to be a little unlikable. Like kind of blasted Maryland fans about Mark Turgeon a year ago. Like if anything, I'd probably say... I'm not rooting for. I don't know that I'm rooting for UConn. What did he either. say about Turgeon? I forget. Like he, he called. He went after Maryland fans for getting after Mark oh. Turgeon. I don't remember. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I just remember being like, "What the hell? Really, Mark Few?" And I get it. He was defending one of his guys. Like I, not really mad at him. I don't really care all that much. But I just, I don't care one way or the other. I have no positive feelings towards Gonzaga. I have no negative feelings towards Gonzaga. There, I, I'm neutral. But for the sake of being a basketball fan, I would have rather had Drew Timmy on the floor to say, well, that's the, those rules are the rules. We understand it's the rules are more directly impact guys that play in the middle. Maybe a foul in the paint should be. Oh, that would be impossible. You know, yeah. three quarters of a foul. So, but there's, it, it, it's it's kind of nonsense. That the guys that play in the paint play by the same rules as the guy that don't play in the paint because it's, that's just the game. Just, you yeah. know, you it's, just say it because we've accepted it. That's yeah, the reason why it's just the game. But it doesn't actually make sense. You're not playing the same game there that you're playing on the perimeter. There's no reason for guards to be committing five fouls in a game unless they're just regularly getting beat. I, it, it's. At some point, we have to be willing to have a conversation about this and actually think it through and not just say, well, this is basketball and it's how it's been played since forever and so deal with it. That's not, a, that's not good enough. It's not good enough to just say that's the way we do it, so that's the way it should be done. Why? Why do well, you do it that way? Defend it. Defend why it is that the guys in the, play in the paint where there's bodies attacking constantly, play by the same rules, as the guys that play out on the perimeter where that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a good argument right now, but, I mean, like, I, it, it's, other than, I mean, that's, that's just how basketball that's, is. It's, there's two sides, there's two, you have to be good at both. 
facets of basketball. You know, you have to be able to play offense. You have to be able to play defense. And I understand you have to be able that. To play offense that has nothing. Ways. That has nothing to do with anything. But you're you're that's, comparing. That's why the game is. That's why everyone loves this game because you got to be good at different things. You can't just. be But the guys really that big. play on the perimeter both ways are not playing the same game. Well, you got to be able to build a team that's good on the perimeter and I, good I, on the inside. I understand I mean, that. It's, I, that's what makes it a unique problem for college basketball. Yeah. The guys that play on the perimeter are likely to be gone unless you're an undersized point guard. Like those guys are gonna move on, and you can't get stars that way anymore. The big guys are sticking around. They're your marketable commodities. They're the ones that you have to think about. To say, well, hey, it wouldn't hurt Gonzaga as much if they had better guards, sure. But you can't do that anymore in college basketball. Like, they move on. That's the way that it goes. That's it. That's all I've got just for you. Keep, uh, that's that's why you need a good coach. You. What does that have to do with anything? You're keep, just saying keep, things. Keep bringing just, in young guards. This is just nonsensical. Well, I mean, you're but trying, to, you're trying make to make it, a three-quarters of a foul. You, yes, I'm trying to say that the yeah. game inside the paint isn't the same game as the game on the perimeter, well, and you but, can't argue that. You have no retort to that. You know it's true. You're just sort of saying, but that's the way it's always been. Well, three-quarters of a foul. I, I'm not saying that's the answer. I know, I know, I'm saying you need to think about something. You yeah. need to figure out a way to address the fact that we've just accepted this eternally, and it's not actually sensical. It's not sensical. They don't play the same game in the paint as they play on the perimeter. They're two different games. Yeah, and that's why it's college basketball. You got to be able to. You got to be effective at both. You got to have well, a team the guy that, that's that can playing do both. At five is not playing on the perimeter. You're yeah, you gotta have a you gotta have a one that can play the one. So, but how does it make sense that you're playing with the same rules for the guy in the perimeter or on the perimeter and in the paint? You're not addressing that because it's the way you're, it's always been. No, that's that's all you've got. That's the only argument that you can make. Well, that's just what we know. Why does it make sense? Why? Nobody's gonna have this answer. I mean, a hardcore. You know, basketball coach is going to say, well, if you play correctly, then it's not a problem. It's not about playing correctly. You have no idea how a guy is going to call fouls from game to game. All of you that say play correctly also scream about the officiating constantly, but yet never want to do anything about it. I'll ref. Okay, you can ref, Griffin. Put you in charge, and everything will be solved, right? Never have a soft foul call. Everybody will exactly. always agree with every call that you yeah. make. There will never be any controversy whatsoever. Exactly. I'm glad maybe, you understand. Maybe address the problem at some point. Just just a thought. Maybe deal with it. Print issue of Pressbox is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. Gunnar Henderson is on the cover. Great story from Lou Jackson. Mike Greenberg is going to join us next. We are late for when we said we were going to do it, but, you know, we already told you it was pre-recorded, so I don't feel bad about that. Mike Greenberg coming up next on Clark Radio. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? CCBC is here to help. With funding available for short-term career programs, you can get back on your feet in no time. Starting this March, become a certified apartment maintenance technician to secure your future. CCBC's program offers hands-on training and prepares you for a rewarding career in the growing field of property management. Don't wait any longer. Call 443-840-2222 or online at ccbcmd.edu for more details. CCBC, apartment maintenance technician. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. Another Orioles season is in the books and the Bataround was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now. Now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Well, best laid plans of mice and men. This is just the way things go sometimes. Today's show brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department. They have a hiring camp coming up this Saturday at the Public Safety Building, 700 East Joppa Road, beginning at 8.30 a.m. you got to sign up ahead of time. 410-887-5521. 410-887-5521 to be a part of this camp. It covers everything. If you've got a passion for service, want a career for life. Baltimore County Police Department. Again, call 410-887-5521. All right, so uh, we'll get to Mike Greenberg. We're going to have to move that to the end of the show. Now, as I said on Twitter, breaking Lamar meter update needed, not because of John Harbaugh, but instead because of Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson this morning has tweeted the following. A letter to my fans. I want to first thank you for all of the love and support you consistently show towards me. All of you are amazing, and I appreciate you all so much. I want you all to know not to believe everything you read about me. Let me personally answer your questions in regards to my future plans. As of March 2nd, I requested a trade from the Ravens organization for which the Ravens has not been interested in meeting my value Anyone, any and everyone that that's has met me, oh boy, that's has met me or been around me know I love the game of football and my dream is to help a team win the Super Bowl. You all are great, but I had to make a business decision that was best for my family and I. No matter how far I go or where my career takes me, I'll continue to be close to my fans of Baltimore, Flock Nation, and the entire state of Maryland. You'll see me again. 
Now, it just so happens that this came at about the same time that John Harbaugh sat down to meet with the media at the NFL owners' meetings out in Phoenix. Among the highlights of that, John Harbaugh continues to tell you about he loves Lamar Jackson. Will the Ravens take trade calls for Lamar Jackson? This is from Jonah Schaefer's uh, Twitter account. John Harbaugh says, quote, I'm sure that business will be done the way it's normally be done. I don't know what that means, unquote. But he said the offense is being built with Lamar in mind. John Harbaugh said he feels his relationship with Lamar Jackson is still strong. You got a couple other highlights from uh, John Harbaugh? Uh, yes, he was He was asked if, uh, if he and, thinks... And make sure we're saying who this is coming this from. This is coming from Jamison Hensley. Okay. And he was asked if... Uh, I lost it. I'm sorry. All right, so here's some tweets from Jeff Zrebeck of uh, The Athletic. Harbaugh said he ant- still anticipates Lamar Jackson being the team's quarterback, but said he has to plan for all the contingency plans. Harbaugh, quote, Lamar's handled it with class, unquote. Harbaugh, quote, I'm getting ready for Lamar. That's what I'm doing. You build your team regardless, unquote. Harbaugh said he's not getting into what he knows about Jackson's trade request, called it a private matter. Harbaugh said he still believes that Eric DaCosta's conversation with Jackson has been consistent. Harbaugh said the team has had lots of conversations about trades, about different players, but we haven't made one yet. So Hensley said, uh, it, when asked uh, Coach Harbaugh on whether he thinks Lamar Jackson will be the be his quarterback in week one, he said, I do. I'm pretty fired up about Lamar Jackson. So a few of you have said, well, that moves the Lamar meter to zero, right? Definitely not the case. But we will do an emergency Lamar meter mid-show update, and the number will – this is the first time we've ever done a, an emergency update. The number for the first time will go below 50. The number will Man. go for the first time. Yikes. Ooh, under 40? Under 40. 39%. 39% is where the mo- the Lamar meter goes. And somebody will say, well, how could it possibly still be 39%? Lamar Jackson requested a trade. Well, let's cover a couple of things. One, I, I, I told you guys I'm stunned that Lamar Jackson didn't request a trade at this time a year ago in order to try to speed this process up. I don't really know why he waited this thing out this long. Two, there still has to be a team that's willing to pay Lamar Jackson what he wants. And to this point, we still don't know who that team would be. Money can always repair things. And the Ravens can say they have a backup plan. The only thing at this point that would be opened up is do they believe there is a team that would be willing to pay Lamar Jackson what he wants that has a high enough of a draft pick for them to be confident they can draft their next quarterback? Because that's the only backup plan that could exist at this point. And again, based on what's been out there, I'm not sure. Maybe the Colts feel quite strongly about Lamar Jackson and would be willing to move the number three pick in order to get it done. But do we know that? Do we know that Lamar Jackson would come off the extraordinary demand? It's one of the scenarios I've talked about before. At some point, is it possible? Do me a favor, call Rita. See if she'll want to jump on for a second. Um... Do we know that Lamar, is it possible 
that if there isn't a team that's willing to meet what it is that Lamar wanted, that he would say, well, if it's somewhere else, I'll do a lesser number. We don't know that. I mean, we don't. We have no reason to think that's the case. Is it possible? Is it possible that you're just so unhappy now here that, you know, I, I, um, I, it could. Is it possible? Yeah, it's, I'm sorry. I'm, my brain is, I'm, I, we're reacting to all of this, obviously, very momentarily. But is it possible that he says, I'm done here. I'll agree to a lesser deal just to get somewhere else. Possible. But we don't know that either. And again, money can always solve every problem to me. Until Lamar Jackson says quite directly, I'll never play for the Ravens again, this to me continues to be part of a process. And again, one, and I know when Rita comes on with us in a minute, we'll both agree, one that we thought should have played out a year ago. A year ago, when you were playing for significantly less than what your market value was, I was stunned that Lamar Jackson didn't demand a trade in order to speed up the process. As much as you guys now feel like, well, it's over, it's not over. Money can still solve things. This is all part, once you get to a place where you say, dude, if you guys aren't willing to go there, and you're not going to budge on it, I want you to start exploring a trade. Well, there's still got to be a team that wants to trade for you at that number. So I'm leaving it for now at 39%. We'll deal with it again tomorrow. Let me welcome in our friend, the NFL Chicks, Rita Hubbard. She is with us now here on GCR as we have this emergency conclave as Lamar Jackson announces that he requested a trade, not today, but roughly a month ago. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning. Um, what's your reaction? What's your immediate gut tell you about this? I mean, it's a, it's finally time that 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 something moved the needle a little bit because I I wondered for a while like is it Lamar just not did he request the trade and that we're not hearing about it because somebody doesn't want to look like the bad guy and maybe he's tired of looking like the bad guy maybe I mean not maybe he's tired of not wanting to look like the bad guy and maybe he's at the point where he doesn't care because. The contract negotiations have clearly, you know, not gone well. So, uh, you know, he finally came out and said, all right, well, y'all don't want to pay me. Uh, I want to trade. Um, I'm curious to know how this goes, though, Glenn, because with the non-exclusive, does that change? I mean, like, teams have an option to put an offer in, right? Yep. yep. Now, I know that they don't want to do the dirty work, but, but, I mean, does that change things for teams because he's asking for a trade? Like, you know, how, how exactly is that going to, to work, and, and who are we going to see? So um, it'll be interesting. I mean, there's a couple of people I have in mind that could potentially be that team, but ultimately um, this is – I felt like something was coming sooner than later before the draft. So we're, li- what, we're, li- we're literally like a month away or something mm-hmm. like that, right, yep. from the NFL draft. Something had to happen anyway before the draft. Now, I don't know what this means, right, because technically the Ravens don't, can be like, uh, we're not. Right. And we're going to see if you're going to play on the tag, and if you don't, then that's $32 million you're going to miss out on, right? But well, or, or Rita, the I other mean, part of this that still exists, whether it's collusion or just the market value, like I, 
if Lamar Jackson is still looking for a certain number and there every other yeah. team says, guy, we don't want to pay you that number, then what happens next at that point? That's like, what I want to know. Like, That's exactly what I want to know. I want to know what's the what's the backup plan and then and are you just over it being in Baltimore and do you just not care anymore? Is it major is it past the past the point of the money and now we're just making a statement i i, I just don't know and and i tweeted just now i mean at this point then the ravens don't have nothing that's going to hold them if he's requesting a trade publicly and he did it on march the second right now the ravens can sit here and say well this is what we put out there we this is what we offered him so uh, there's nothing holding them back now in terms of the real contract details that they've offered him as opposed to rumors because now somebody is saying that they're not interested in the, the pack that we made anymore. I don't even want to do this anymore. I'm out. So the Ravens need to, to me, need to turn around and be like, okay, guys, but this is what we offered him. I don't know what, this is what y'all keep hearing. Right. This is what we offered him and, and allow the public to determine whatever. It, I mean, it doesn't matter what the public thinks, obviously. They, that, that, because they're here, right? But ultimately, we've heard so many rumors about what, um, the contract details were. You got to put them out there now. I, I don't see how you don't. Well, um, I, and and this is yeah. yeah. You know, Rita, I would make an argument. By the way, the first thing we've heard now is John Harbaugh continuing to say he's planning on Lamar Jackson being his quarterback. He, no. Well, he, it, did you re- look? He put that out there as soon as Harbaugh went to speak, which is very interesting that well, he did and, and, that. And, he did that. But but John, they've known for tw- to this point, they've known this for twenty five days. So let's 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 do I that. Know, path, I, right? He didn't know that he was going to do this. One hundred percent. He didn't know it was going to become public. I have no doubt about that. But I'll I'll still add one more thing in. I keep saying this, unless you know there's a team in the top five of the draft that is willing to trade that pick to you, you still have no backup plan. Like. The only backup plan at this point could be that you get literally a top five pick because it is looking more and more certain that all of the legitimate quarterbacks are going to come off the board in the top five. If you don't, even if it was the Lions at seven, I'm still not sure that you're comfortable that you're definitely going to be able to get one of the quarterbacks at this point. Nah, you would have to move up to get one. You would have to. So unless you know you have one of those picks, the the problem I keep trying to talk about is there's still no backup plan here. And what what John Arbaugh is saying might be completely legitimate, which is we have to keep saying these things about Lamar Jackson, and we don't want to put out our dirty laundry either because we still want to make this work with Lamar Jackson because what in the F else are we actually going to do at the quarterback well, position? Clearly, yeah, it requires money. I mean, it feels like the, the solution is simple and they don't want to pay it. So you have to figure out what to do with your backup plan is. I, y'all told us that y'all had a backup plan at the combine. That's what y'all said. So what's the backup plan? I, I because the man said that he asked for a trade. I, it's... It's weird. I'm not sure that that even Lamar Jackson, if you pulled him aside today, would say. But that means I definitely wouldn't play in Baltimore. Like I, yeah. Sti- I mean, I, I didn't get that from reading his tweet. Yeah. I, I, to me, it clearly seems that it's about money. That he wants a certain value, and the Ravens aren't willing to give it to him. Correct. Like that's that's what all this is. I want this number wherever it is. I don't care where it is. I want this yeah. number. So go explore a trade market for me. But if they go out there and every team says, dude, we're not going to pay that guy that amount of money either, then what are they going to get in the trade? Like, none of this works. All of this is nonsensical to a point. One, in order to trade someone in this situation, Lamar would have to sign 
the franchise tender, but why the, a team would trade for someone without knowing, like, what are you going to give up if you don't know that you're going to be able to sign the guy long term? What would you, I mean, you could trade right. him for pennies on the dollar, right? If, if Lamar, right. if you want to say, hey, let him be your problem, you could trade him to a team that says, well, we don't know that we can sign him. I, I guess we'll give you a, a little bit because we, I, I have no idea what you think is going to happen in this process. There still has to be someone that's willing to pay you the amount of money that you're looking for. And I, I, that, that's the part I don't understand. Unless maybe he knows somebody that uh, it, it, maybe he has a suitor that is going to give him what he's looking for. And he has a name and he can say, you know, this team, I want to go to this team. And that team ends up being the one that gives him what he wants. I mean, you know what I mean, like. But, but that's I, I, now I you're know. now you're putting the Ravens back in a spot where they say again, like let's just say that team is Washington, and you you can't use Washington's pick to get yourself a quarterback in this draft. They say, well, we can't make that trade because then we're left without a quarterback. We're left yep. screwed in this process. We are left with yep. Tyler Huntley and Anthony Brown as our. I mean, by the way, Tyler Huntley's not even under contract as our quarterbacks moving forward. So you can tell me, hey, Washington said they'd be willing to pay me this amount of money. We're telling you we're not trading to Washington because we can't get a top five pick out of that deal. So, yeah, you know, you're right back to square one where now Lamar Jackson's pissed off because he's got the deal that he wants. He doesn't want to play for you. You don't want to make a trade because you're going to end up looking like horses' asses in the process. Yeah. It, it feels bombastic and explosive. And, again, I moved the meter below 40% today. Like, I, I moved it significantly. <laughs> there's there's still a ton that we have to – like, this is not Lamar Jackson coming out today and saying, I know the Indianapolis Colts are willing to pay me $200 million fully guaranteed. I want the Ravens to trade me to Indianapolis. We still need to know the part where there's – a team on the other side of this, or else I think we're kind of right back where we started from, just with there being a, a, a trade request having been put in. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's that simple to me. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's but it's, I'm saying that simple in terms of like, in terms of like, you don't, you, you might not want to even make a move because can't there's nobody out here that's going to give you these, that give you what you want. But now you're still potentially in, in, in purgatory because of the fact that he might not play, right. of the fact that. Tyler Huntley, you put him on a restricted um, uh, free agent uh, sheet. So I, I mean, you know, and, and a low and the low offer, the low tender. You didn't even do the high tender. So I mean, I I honestly don't. The quarterbacks that you probably would have liked to have and uh, as a backup plan have all kind of been off the market. Even though I saw somebody link Teddy Bridgewater to the Ravens potentially, but. I mean, come on. Let's let's be for real. God God bless the guy. You want to win seven games next year or ten, eight games next year? Have Teddy Bridgewater as your quarterback. Then you're again not good enough to be good enough and not good enough to draft Caleb Williams either. Like, if I'm the Ravens, I'm going to find a way to try to salvage this. But I mean, here's the thing: we don't know if 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 there's just no absolutely no negotiation here, and there's a specific line. And, and if, if the Ra- and if the Ravens feel like, well, this is a ransom and not a and not a negotiation, because there's a difference, right? A negotiation is that I give you a number, you give me a number, we come somewhere and have an agreement. But if their line is in the sand, it has to be this specific number, and they feel like that that it's not there. I mean, then then okay, okay, then you got to do what you got to do. But is it is it? Can you not get close enough to where he would take it? That's the part that I don't think that I don't that I don't get. Is it? not close can you not get something close to what he's asking for or you just 
don't want to do that either. So everybody's just kind of having a stare off, and finally he's like, I'm over it. I don't even, I don't even want to do this anymore. But, yeah. I just, I, I, hey, I, man, this is this is drama, honey. The more, the more, the more I think about it, I'm just not sure how much different a trade request is than being a, 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 on the on the non-exclusive tag, right? I'm just not really sure. It, right, that, what, that's a valid point. That's what, valid. What is the actual difference? Like the, that's that's the that's the point. If 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 again, if his wording was, I will never play for the Ravens again, right? Like everything has been so poisoned, and again, that might be how he feels in his heart. And he's just not saying it. If he said that, I would probably feel significantly different about it, which would almost because that would lead me to step of I'll take the Ravens deal. I just won't take it from the Ravens. Right. Like if there's if there's some world where he's willing to budge on his number and and it's just to the point where but I've been poisoned by the Ravens, so it's going to have to be from somewhere else. Then maybe it's a different conversation. But for now. To say I requested a trade, like okay, but like teams have had the chance to say they wanted to pay. You know, a, a, you think the Ravens are going to do a deal for less than two first round picks? Like you think the Ravens right. are going to walk in tomorrow and be like, I tell you what, we'll let them walk for a first and a fourth. Like I, I think it's the exact same spot that we were in. It's just called something different, and it's the first time we've had any belief that Lamar Jackson is genuinely frustrated about the situation. So I'm actually right, maybe talking right. myself into the fact that I might have moved the meter too far in this. Like, I'm just <laughs> I'm just not sure. It's like, it's so bombastic, right, requesting a trade. And then I'm like, but how is it any different than the spot you were in yesterday? Like, Very true. Really, how is it different? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, yeah. All right. I imagine you're going to have a busy week. I imagine you're going to be making a few appearances at uh, different places. I- I don't know yet. I haven't, you know, outside of a uh, winning drive being done this week, and I, you know, I got to do 1057 Advance tomorrow. Um, but I'm sure somebody will call me and want to talk about it. So fun times ahead. Can you hear the smile on my face? I am. All right. We, and you and I will be back this Sunday. We'll be back on. Yes. Oh, yeah. We'll Sunday. be back this Sunday to have this conversation, oh, which is my. a lot. Huh? Oh, my. All right, my friend. I love you. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for I love on. you, too. And we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about on Sunday. At the NFL Chick on Twitter is how you follow her. She's Rita Hubbard. Uh, and, yeah, and you'll hear us on 105.7 The Fan on Sunday afternoon. As I'm having this conversation, that really is what I'm talking myself into here. I'm talking myself into as loud as this seems, as explosive as it feels. Tell me practically how the situation is actually different than it was yesterday. Or before, like, tell me how I've requested a trade is different than teams had the option to try to put out two first-round picks in order to get me and decided not to. I mean, I guess it could be more of a, even more of a leverage play for Lamar, I guess, somehow. Like, listen, I really want to, I'm really, really, really ready to move on and get out of here. Again, he would have to say, again, again, this I'm, was a month ago, I'm so. done in Baltimore. Right. And he didn't say that. He just said he requested a trade. He didn't even use the word demand. <laughs> and, I, and I mean that. Those are two different things. Demanding a trade is, I won't play here any longer. Requesting a trade is, dude, if you guys don't want to pay me what, I'm, what I think I'm worth, See if somebody else will. But what the Ravens would say back is, you've been seeing if someone else will. And what's the answer, Ben? No one else will. 
The Ravens aren't going to take less than two first-round picks for Lamar Jackson. So it's not like a trade request comes with a softening of the market. Well, now, if we don't have to give up two first-round picks, like maybe we can talk about it. A trade would require likely more than two first-round picks. So again, tell me how it's different. Tell me what's different today or after than it was... Again, and again, there have been three and a half weeks that have gone by. I am really talking myself into it. I should be moving the number back, again. Back at 50? Right? It's like just, I'm, That's where you're at? The number's way too low. I'll wait till tomorrow. Because, again, I think we're going to have something new related to Lamar and me tomorrow. Lamar, um, yeah. I'm, you've had three and a half weeks, and we've heard nothing other than one very loose, the Colts haven't ruled it out. That's all we've got for three and a half weeks since Lamar Jackson has requested a trade. So why are we to believe that suddenly Lamar tweeting about it is the moment versus Lamar thinking that a reporter was about to find out that he had requested a trade, and so he wanted to put it out there himself. Now, for what it's worth, the fact that it was three and a half weeks ago and no one's known about it suggests this is how difficult it's been to cover the Lamar Jackson side of this conversation. And credit, yeah, credit to credit, his, his, credit his to, camp. Credit mm-hmm. to the Ravens too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Peter King didn't have this. <laughs> Nobody's had this. So credit to the Ravens that they've completely held on it for three and a half weeks. Which also goes back to the idea that I don't think John Harbaugh's lying. I keep trying to say, be practical about this. They don't have a backup plan. They want it to be Lamar Jackson. They want Lamar Jackson to look around and say, guys. Or to say, we, there's nothing here. I don't have another offer. There's nothing. I, I need to go back to the Ravens because there are no other options here. That's sort of been their plan, their process in all of this. Will it work? I mean, it doesn't feel good right now. And again, there can always be a wild card here. This could be like the Hollywood Brown situation from a year ago. It could be that the Ravens have already worked something out, and for some reason, that team doesn't want to make it official. Or the Ravens don't want anyone to know that they're in on quarterbacks in the NFL draft. It's possible that they've already worked out a deal with the Colts. And they're saying, hey, let's all sit on this. Let's all try to hold it out for as long as we possibly can so that the league doesn't know that we want Anthony Richardson. Because somebody could move up to three and get ahead of us and get Anthony Richardson. It's possible. I mean, it's it's possible. Mm-hmm. Or Will Levis, whichever one it was. But it's a very specific scenario that we're painting in order for that to be the case. Maybe I'm not. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I, know. I, I mean, don't know. Because well, you're right. Like at, essentially, nothing really has changed. Nothing. Nothing has changed since March second. Nothing. Essentially. Nothing. Other than what we, what you know now. Yes, correct. Exactly. The only, the only thing that's different is we know that Lamar Jackson requested a trade, but we still have nothing that says Lamar Jackson won't play for the Ravens again, which would be obviously explosive. Still, you would say, well, money could change that too, but it would be different than this. This absolutely comes off as. If you're not willing to pay me, find out if somebody will. And the Ravens are saying, well, you've had weeks to figure out if somebody's willing to pay you what you want. They're not. So what are we doing here? 
trade, franchise tag, whatever you want to call it, the market ain't there, man. Again, unless, of course, we are there's something we don't know. Unless yeah. the Colts thing is real. Unless there's something that everybody, and to be fair, if they kept this under wraps for three and a half weeks, who knows? That would seem like a really incredible thing for no one to get word of and for them to think they can keep under wraps all the way through the draft. And we can compare it to Hollywood Brown a year ago. We don't know exactly when that deal was you know, put together. I don't know what the date was that the Hollywood Brown deal was figured out. Um, it was clearly before the draft. We do know that much, that like there was a reason why Hollywood Brown was on a plane to Arizona as we were finding out about the trade because the trade had been done ahead of time. That's just how quickly things move. Yeah, I don't think yeah. that's the case. But we don't know exactly when it was. It would be incredible if the Ravens and Colts have already if the Ravens and Colts have already done a deal and everybody is being kept in the dark somehow, particularly considering Jim Irsay probably not the guy that yeah, you would he, would... he would be like, guess what? I, like, <laughs> I mean, of all people, he it seems was, very low on the totem pole unless, of guys that you Chris would think... Ballard didn't tell him. Yeah, right? Somehow <laughs> kept him in the dark, which I don't believe you could do if you were about to spend that much money on a quarterback. I don't believe that well, would be Well, Mitt Riversay was just like, here's a billion dollars. Go get yeah, me a quarterback. I, right. <laughs> like, whoever it is, I don't care who it is. Don't even tell me. I mean, it seems way over the top, too. I mean, I hate to, like, keep... Like going back to this, but I feel if he had an agent, like he would have been able. I feel like this, that would have helped him better figure out what his market is. Someone to communicate with these other teams. Like well, I, mean, I mean, again, again, again unless, it's very possible the that he is, is. Unless the problem is collusion, right? Yeah. Unless, in, the, in which case, what is an agent going to do about that? Like, I, and I'm, I don't, I don't know. I, people keep saying that. I'm like, what, what is an agent supposed to do if Lamar Jackson says to him, "It's this number or nothing." Our belief, what we're really saying is that we think an agent could coerce Lamar Jackson into accepting what the best number is instead of holding out for his number. Well, it doesn't sound like he's even negotiating with any other with any other team, which I guess, yes, to your point, is collusion. But if, it, like, do we know? We don't even know if Lamar has reached out and if he Well, would've. we know that we know that somebody did. <laughs> we know yeah, that, yeah, yeah, we yeah, know that right. Ken Francis did. Yes, you're, right. you're right. But, yeah, to so the point, like, do we... Is it possible that Lamar Jackson has held out hope this entire time that the Ravens would just budge and he's never really tried with anybody? I guess. I guess that anything is possible, man. We, we are – this is DEFCON 5. Yes, impossible is nothing. Thank you. Well done. Thank you, Kyle. Um, it's DEFCON 5, bro. Like anything. I, I, I can't say anything is impossible. Nothing is impossible in this process because it's so convoluted. It's so weird. I'm. I moved the number. Everybody told me I didn't move it down far enough. I convinced myself I moved it too far down, and now I'm talking myself out of that. <laughs> Lamar meter sitting at thirty nine percent. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. We would need something else. We would need that for this news to be met with some other team suddenly saying, maybe we'd be willing to talk more. But again. Why would you do that if you weren't if the problem was the the money why would that suddenly change today what would make you change your mind about the money if the problem was you believed the ravens were going to match the entire time 
and now's the first time you're not sure if they're going to match, then I could see why you'd want to dip your toes. But why would you dip your toes in a trade instead of dip your toes in on two first-round picks, which you think would be less than that? So until we see something, it is still the Ravens' hand to play. Yeah, I shouldn't have gone below 50, I don't think. I don't think I should have gone below 50. Well, I think you went low enough because people will still be up in arms about <laughs> about 39 being too high. So, I mean, essentially, I mean, we're at the point where essentially since March 2nd, the Lamometer could have been at 50-50, essentially, I guess, the whole time. Like, I mean, that's sort of where I am. I, I, but maybe even that's too low, right? Like, the truth is... Well, in, I don't... No, I mean, until I know there's something else out there... I couldn't go to 51 right now. I, I don't... I, I'm going to talk myself into going right back to 64 tomorrow. <laughs> until I know something else is out there, until I know with certainty that there's another team that's in on this, what has changed... I keep playing out every word of this in my head. If Lamar Jackson demanded a trade, if he said, I am hell-bent on being somewhere else, I'd feel differently. He didn't say that. He said he requested a trade. And again, there's been three and a half weeks, and we've got nothing. The best thing we have is a very, very loose, the Colts haven't ruled anything out. That's it. That's all we've got. So what the hell do we do with that? <laughs> hey, not a good spot to be in. All right, uh, Jeremy Kahn, we'll talk about it with him. We will, I, I promise, before the end of the show, we'll talk to Mike Greenberg. Some of it is not going to sound like it makes sense <laughs> because we pre-recorded it uh, ways away before Lamar Jackson had requested a trade. But we'll still air it because... It was actually after Lamar requested a trade. Yeah. Well, yeah, before we knew that Lamar had requested a trade. That's true. Uh, Jeremy Kahn is what's next. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19 and want to start a new career path? Look no further than CCBC. Starting in March, CCBC offers short-term career training programs like real estate sales. And the best part, funding is available for those who qualify. Real estate sales is a lucrative career that can provide a stable income and flexibility. With CCBC's real estate sales program, you'll learn everything you need to know to get started in this exciting field. Call us at 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu to learn more. CCBC Real Estate Sales. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. And then take that betting advice and go right over to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Sign up for something like Bet Fred, where you bet $50 and get up to $1,111 in bonus Fred bets. Again, PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Right now is the only way to sign up and take advantage of that deal and other great deals. Again, yes, we are continuing to react to the news. Lamar Jackson says he requested a trade on March 2nd. I moved the Lamar meter down to 39%. I'm thinking I overreacted, and like I think we're all getting caught up in the explosiveness of the request of a trade, which is not the same as a demand of a trade and still requires for someone to be willing to pay Lamar Jackson the money that he's looking for. But I just said it on Twitter. I'm not going to move it again until tomorrow. Again, unless something else newsworthy occurs. I'm not going to move the meter again until tomorrow. I'm going to wait, and I will do whatever readjustment I feel like doing at that point. Uh, but right now I'm sitting at 39% as I, like the rest of you, were certainly um, you know, impacted by this crazy news. Let's get uh, our next guest's reaction to it as well. He is, of course, the host of the Big Bag Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan, as well as you see his picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. He's our friend Jeremy Kahn, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Hey, uh, what's going on, pal? How are you? What's up, man? How do you feel about the uh, timing of this being released right, right John as Harbaugh. John Harbaugh is getting ready to speak to the media? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if if he thought that John was going to bring it up. or I, I have no idea what, that was, what, what that's all about. It's very weird. Or if he thought that like some reporter was about to report it, so he felt felt like he had to share. It's weird 
because like as crazy as it sounds, it takes me five minutes to then think this through and say, okay, well, he requested this trade three and a half weeks ago, and to this point, we have not even an inkling that there is a team mm-hmm. that's been in on it. So yeah. is it that significant that he requested a trade three and a half weeks ago? I, I mean, I really don't know because, again, the Ravens didn't say anything. And the, and the weird thing is, like, he, wrote, he just wrote that whole three-page thing on, on Twitter where it's like, hey, Ravens fans, you'll see me again. Like, because he requested a trade, that's what's going to happen. Um, I don't think this is going to be exactly the same way as Hollywood Brown. Ultimately, they still have to find that trade partner and make sure they're getting back fair value. Or I think they play the franchise tag game with them still. Like, you know, they're... Like he's got to sign it and come back. It's not just that they need a partner that's willing to give them what they want. He still needs a partner that's willing to pay him what he wants. Like, yeah. you, you, you're not going to be able to make this trade to a team that says, like, no team is going to give you anything if they're not certain that Lamar Jackson is going to sign with them. And, like, how can they be certain that he's going to sign with them if they're not willing to match the number that he's clearly said, it's either this number or I'm not going to sign. Like, I, Yeah, exactly. So what, where do we go from here? I, I, Jeremy, I keep coming back to, I'm not really sure how a trade request is any different than what he's had the option to find on the market. Like, if, if no team was willing to try to do this for two first-round picks, you think the Ravens are trading him for less than two first-round picks? No, they're not. So... You know, again, I, I don't know how far they, for lack of a better term, call his bluff if it's that, if he's not going to play on the franchise tag. We don't know how bad this has been. And, I, you know, I, like I said, I'm done going on the air and telling people what I hear because no matter what you hear, people are going to tell you you're right, wrong. I don't right. back the stuff that I said was true. I know there's even more stuff than this going on behind the scenes. So there's like, it's like, what's the point? I, I mean, I'm kind of, I feel like a lot of Ravens fans do now where it's like, just, just trade him. I mean, if you can well, find it, yeah, trade I, him. I'm not, but. I'm nowhere close to there because there's the part of it that nobody wants to deal with. The Ravens will be colossally effed with that unless they can have a top five pick that's coming back, right? Unless they can do a deal that involves a top five pick, they're screwed. And it's part of the reason why I think they're, they really are. I don't think John Harbaugh's lying with the things that he says. I think they know they're kind of in a Lamar or nothing position again, unless it's the Colts, unless they're going to get a top five pick, because the scenario is where you trade Lamar Jackson. To do what? To be completely irrelevant? Like, to, to, to play Tyler Huntley and to deal with the fact that you're going to win maybe well, eight, nine games? See, that's what sucks with that is you're talking about being completely irrelevant from terms of the way the Ravens are constituted, and that still probably means, as you said, anywhere between seven and nine games with the way that their defense is and their, their running game has the capabilities of being. So they could still win that many games. Um, in what we believe to be like an unbelievably down season and still not wind up with a top five pick in next year's draft. So, yeah. um, you know, there, there, there's just a – it is tough, man, because like I, I saw – who was it? I think Fandle or somebody posted a meme saying, you know, Carson Wentz, Cam Newton, and somebody else celebrating now that Lamar says he wants out of Baltimore because there's another le- possible landing spot for him. I don't think any of those cats are coming here. I think if they had to, they would just ride it out with Tyler Huntley and see what happens. Um, I, I mean, I, I to see what happens. To, again, I, I got to be practical about that. The point that you just made is the one that's the most. I think it's easy for somebody to say, "So what? So you have one down year? You still need a quarterback after that? Like, yeah, you, somebody, yeah. you still. But look now they have the, money on the open market. You could make a trade. Like they don't have they don't have the draft capital this year. Um, and if look, if they traded Lamar, that would clearly change. And 
there's plenty that you could do. Move back with one of those first-round picks and accumulate more picks. Take two first-round guys. I mean, whatever you want to do. But the same thing applies. You still have to find your quarterback Correct. next year. So that doesn't mean that you're – I mean, you would have more money, right? That's Lamar goes. You have a ton – on the open market, but, but, there's, but you're not, there's, yeah, now there's not going to be a free agent quarterback that's going to be this guy. No, Those guys don't never is, free really. agents. Right, correct. That's This is why this works. You have to be in the draft. To your point, there's one Caleb Williams, and everybody says, well, you'd have a bunch of assets you could try to use to go trade for it. The, and nobody is trading out of the – if the Caleb Williams is the guy you all think he is, you could offer a team four first-round picks. They're not moving out of the number one spot because that's the value of the quarterback position. Yeah, like I, I would say this. If the Bears yes. were picking first – well, if Caleb Williams was available this year, I think the Bears are trading Justin Fields. I agree. That's what I believe. Yeah, I agree. So to, to, to want Caleb Williams next year, you either need him to, you know, A – uh, have a terrible year, get hurt, something happen where that would cause him to slide in the draft, something off the field, or you would have to get the number one overall pick. It's not likely that a team that winds up with the number one overall pick um, isn't a team that needs a quarterback. You know, usually they do. And you're supposed to just, you know, tell all these guys to not try this season to guarantee that your plan to tank to get Caleb Williams works? Like, yes. Like, they- <laughs> This is this is the theater. Like I get I get the frustration and the fatigue about Lamar Jackson stuff, but we're we're just painting some reality that doesn't exist. That like the Ravens would just be okay if they moved on from Lamar Jackson. Could they be? Could they? You know, find? Could they decide? You know, we're going to take Hendon Hooker at twenty two, and we think Hendon Hooker is just as good as these guys and can be that good. Uh, you know, by the second year of his career, maybe. I mean, it seems reckless to me to be spending a a first-round pick on a 25-year-old quarterback coming off a devastating injury, but could it work out? I mean, I I can't swear that it couldn't work out, but that's where we're at. Like, that's the conversation you're having when you just say, well, it's just time to move on from Lamar Jackson. Like, one, someone's still got to want him. And and then the other thing – the other thing with next year, too, is that, again, if if you traded him, you would expect that you have two first-round picks next year as well. And believe it or not, that's still not enough to go, uh, depending on where they finish. If they finish with the 10th pick in the draft, it's still not enough uh, to go out and get them unless all of a sudden, hey, what if, you, what if you lucked out and you traded them to a team and then they crapped the bet again or an injury happened and you wound up with their number one overall pick. That's, the, that's probably the best scenario that you could have happen <laughs> to get Caleb Williams. But, uh, yeah, I just don't know what they're going to do, man. This just seems like, this seems like something where you go to work and go, I can't believe we're going through this. I mean, there's that. I'm with you on that. But, boy, this is what we're doing. And, uh, you know, baseball season is now only going to be somewhat of a distraction. Like, I can't, it's so funny. An hour ago, I was like, you know what's going to be nice is starting on Thursday we can talk about baseball. And, and this can kind of – nope. Nope. Not, I mean, we'll I'm talk so about ready this, for it. I'm so done with talking about this. I mean, I, I don't know if he likes being the center of attention and everything that's going on, but I never thought we'd talk about Ken Francis. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> the hell is going on hey man this is this is where we're at where by the way i you know what next monday i'm gonna have you set the uh, lamar meter by the way you're gonna get you're gonna guess set the lamar meter next monday where would it be for you today where would you have moved the meter after after you had gotten this news today well i think i i probably feel the same way you do where you were at that below 40 percent but i i just (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen because, like, realistically, if he has to play on the franchise tag, is he going to play? Is he going to be happy? You know, if you bring him back, if he has to sign here and signs a contract, is he going to come back and overlook everything? 
because Lamar seems like the type of guy to me that once he has his mind made up, it's made up. He's not changing it. So um, I, I, I would agree with you where it's at. I, I, I don't know that I'm going to be there tomorrow, though. I think I'm going to end up being back over 50% tomorrow. It's a weird world, <laughs> Maybe. bro. It's a weird world. All right. Uh, how, how did your weekend of betting go? I I um I I, I I do you even do brackets like you're such a yeah you okay so you do brackets how was that for you and then how was this weekend for you? So there were a couple things. Ironically, the one thing that I the only thing I got right on the bracket was I said this is the first year where if there were a bet out there that no number one seeds make it to the final four, I would bet that this year because I think there's inherent value in it because of like just how wide open things are. Did I think this would happen? Absolutely not. I mean, this is a hot mess, but maybe fans like it. Maybe some fans don't. I guess we'll find out when the ratings come out. But uh, but it, my bracket, the funny thing initially is I had Texas winning it all, and I go, ah, come on, you can't bet on Texas, a two-seed with an interim coach, like they're going to make this big run. And up until, I don't know, what time yesterday, they were up 12 late and blew the game. And there was a questionable over-the-back call that wasn't called, whatever. All that stuff. But um, ultimately, I went with Arizona to win it all, and they lost in the first day. So my brackets were pretty much shot. Um, I, I was shot. I had Kansas, so I was shot very quickly as well. I had no hope after the first weekend of the tournament. I have, there's been a good amount of debate to me about, like, is this good? Like, are people less interested because the teams aren't involved, because their brackets aren't in play? And is this the new normal, I think, is the real question. Like, in the NIL portal era is there is there just gonna be more of years in which you're gonna have a bunch of random teams that just so happen to have things break for them in the tournament and there will not be able to be dominant teams moving forward throughout the course of the year that you're gonna be able to count on to make runs to the final four see maybe i mean like i'd i kind of be fine with this if we had one of the long shots you know yukon's there and then you know a kansas texas or uh you know whoever it may be you know what i mean like I feel like I'd be okay with that. Like the games on Saturday should be good, but I mean, I really feel like we're going to have Florida Atlantic in the national championship. And I'm not sure how I feel about it just yet. Um, it's, it's, it's really weird to look at because I'm more of that. I'd rather see the ones play the ones and all that. And the ch- I, like, like watching the women's bracket where, you know, the cream's going to rise to the top and in your elite eight, you're going to have a ton of ones and twos in there, uh, some threes and, and maybe one long shot. So, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe we see this more moving forward. Um, but to get back to your first point, like betting this, it was it's kind of like up and down. I mean, I hit Saturday night on FAU over Kansas State. I had Texas yesterday as my top play, um, and you saw what happened there. Yeah. So it's been – the first round was really good to me. The second round, eh, it was just kind of a mixed bag. I am I'm in a strange place with all this. I, you know what's really funny, Jeremy? Like, I, I don't – you know, I'm going to watch anyway because I'm a fan, so I kind of don't care who the teams are. But I do mm-hmm. think that there is an impact on, you know, the casual observer. And I I don't know what the answer to that is. I don't know that, you know, I made it, we got into a debate earlier about, like, I, I, I think one thing college basketball has to recognize is they don't have enough star power at the moment to continue playing with the foul rules the way that they are. Like, I think, yeah. I, I think they have to start realizing that it's not good for their product that Drew Timmy got two soft fouls to open up the second half, and all of a sudden that game was a laugher, and nobody wanted to watch it any longer. Like, I, yeah, I, I they, I, you can say it's fake, you can say it's artificial, you can say whatever you want to say, but college basketball has a limited amount of star power to begin with, and they can't. The, the guys that are likely to be sticking around are the big men that aren't quite good enough to be in the NBA. 
the the guards they're going to move on the wings are going to move on the undersized point guards will stick around um like that's your best chance of having star power you need those guys on the floor you need those guys playing you can't have those guys being taken off the floor constantly because you're sticking with whatever the foul rules were and you're allowing for there to be controversial debatable fouls that end up determining whether or not people want to watch these games. I, I think college basketball yeah. has to do something about that. And I think p- people have been talking about the NILs changing it. So I think it's even more, I think it's the transfer portal more than anything um, where you're able to go get a player that's played consistently for a while, maybe for a smaller school that you can, you can put in for 25, 30 minutes and feel comfortable with them on the floor. And even sometimes better than that. I mean, when you look at hell, um, everybody was in love with K state and everybody was talking about no, but, you know, Keontae Johnson was there, the guy that collapsed on the floor for Florida. And San Diego State's best player is a transfer. Look at Florida. I mean, all these teams have, you know, these fifth-year transfers and guys that entered the portal, and, they, you know, their teams are better for it. It's just – I think it's um, – I don't want to say a necessary evil that we're going to have moving forward, but it's just something we're going to have to deal with. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think you're right. Hey, are you a, are you a succession guy? Are you – No, I'm going to power watch that whole thing. I watched – so, like, I, I run into these problems, and I'm sure you do, too. What do I watch with my wife? What does she not want to see? Right. Is she going to be mad at me if I watch something without her? So, um, Succession was something we sat down and watched, and she fell asleep during the first episode. Yeah. I think she still wants to watch it, but the only way I know is when I start watching it, that's when I find out she wanted to watch it. So, I, this is where I have to uh, admit something. I started a couple years ago, watched, like, two episodes, and I, I don't want to say uninterested – I'm struggling with how much content we're making. Like, why are we not allowed to make anything that's fun any longer as far as content's concerned? Like, God bless Cocaine Bear. It was so bloody fun that it utterly made up for whatever flaws it had as a film. Like, it was just a romp and a great time, and I wanted to high-five everyone as I watched Cocaine Bear. Oh, my God, I had such a good time. Like, I and that's, to me... I love having fun in a movie theater. Like the first, when they made that Spider-Man film, the first one with Tobey Maguire in 2001, I just wanted to hug everyone that I was in the theater with because I was like, you can have fun in a superhero movie? Like, my God, what a day this is. And Succession, it was, it's just so not fun. It's so unpleasant. Um, now I get it. I needed to watch it. And I finally, like two weeks ago, decided to dive back in a little bit and I'm through the first season and I will, I, my attempt is to catch up by the time this season is over on HBO, but I'm realizing like, it's the same thing that I feel about. I I watched the whale recently and I was like, what, this is just like awful. It's just terribly unfun watching this movie. Like it's, I can't wait to see that too. Oh, and it's well acted and I know it's well made. I didn't realize it was a play that was made it a little bit interesting, but like, it's so painful to sit and watch it. Why aren't we allowed to make things that are just fun any longer and nothing more than that? It's funny because I think Ed, I think it was Ed and I that was having this conversation about just dark movies. Like I like dark movies. I like movies like even the depressing ones. Um, but I'll be the first one to tell you, I will enjoy that 90 minute to two and a half hour ride that most of them take you on. But a lot of times I'm not getting back on that ride to watch it again. And, you know, like when you think of movies like the house of sand and fog, uh, what was it? Uh, Manchester by the sea, or oh, was that yeah. the other one with yeah, Casey, with Casey Affleck? Affleck? Yes. No question. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, now you got the, the whale and I mean, we can go on and on with some of these depressing ass movies. There will be blood where they're just so well acted, but it's, just like I even heard, I haven't watched it yet, but the one with um, Willem Dafoe and 
what's the guy that just played Batman when they're in the the, the lighthouse? Christian Bale. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 the last one. The last oh, Batman. God, yeah. What the? Oh my God. The guy from Pattinson. Twilight. Robert thank Pattinson. you, Robert Pattinson. Pattinson. Jesus Christ, yes, Robert, Robert Pattinson. Pattinson. Yeah. Thank you. So he and Willem Dafoe hung out in the light tower or whatever for for God knows how long. Went crazy, and I was told that movie is dark as hell, but it's still like. You know, you got to see it. You got to see it once, and then you'll probably never watch it again. But there's so many of those. All right, so I have another problem related to Succession, which is really what I want to bring up with you. I have a problem okay. every time I watch Kieran Culkin because I only see Fuller. Like, I yeah, can't— easy with the Pepsi, buddy. I can't see anything else. And, like, I, as I, as I, I, I didn't go back. I started back over at the start of the first season, and, like, mm-hmm. a few episodes in is the first time he has, like, a sex scene in succession and it involves a phone for those of you that don't remember and like it makes me terribly uncomfortable because it feels like i'm watching an eight-year-old have a sex scene on a film like that i can't i'm incapable of seeing anything other than than fuller like i know part of his character is that he's supposed to be a particular a-hole but he doesn't like he's 40 years old like he's not supposed to be a child He's mm-hmm. not supposed to be cousin Greg. He's supposed to be a grown adult that just acts like an a hole. All I can see is an eight year old in the process. I can only well, see Fuller. See, I get that. I, I see it another way too, where um, you know when you look at some of the child actors you've seen, like you know we all watch The Little Giants, and uh, you know the Icebox, what she grew up to be, she's hot as hell now, and it's like how can I, you know, I remember her as a little girl, or even. Um, we interviewed the little girl from the game plan, the movie with the rock. Oh, her yeah, name, I think her yeah. name was Madison right. or Peyton in real life. Right. It was Madison Ma- in the Madison movie, Pettis. Peyton in real life. Madison. She's Pettis, like a model then. now. It's like, I, it's, I don't know. You look I, at some of these things, you go, what the hell happened? I, I am. I am very, it's difficult for me. Cause like, I know it's not his fault. It's not his fault at all. He's done nothing wrong. And in fact, I, everybody raves about how good he is on succession, but I'm telling yeah. you, it's lost on me, bro. <laughs> like it's utterly lost on me. Every time I'm just like, no, you're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be on the hide of bed. What are you doing? <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like with with uh, Elle Fanning and her sister. It's like when they were all grown up. I'm like, this is this is not cool. I remember them as kids. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> but like, it's the same thing with the child actors. Like when Macaulay Culkin grew up, you're like, what happened to him? I <laughs> I, I remember yeah. Macaulay Culkin was. Do you remember there was a film with Mandy Moore called Saved? Yes. It, yes. he, it was one, an excellent film, and two, he was awesome in it, and I have no idea why it didn't remind anybody that he could continue acting from that point. Like, I have no idea why he just, it didn't well, do anything it, for him. You saw the, 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 was it Jack Gleason, the kid that plays Joffrey on Game of Thrones? Like, okay. he said he just couldn't find any other roles because people just look at him as that guy. Well, isn't that the and story? I get it. Wasn't that um, uh, the, the guy that just won uh, Best Supporting Actor? The guy from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once? Um yeah, you know who is uh, Beta? Yeah, sure, right. Short round from uh, Indiana Jones and Beta from the Goonies, right? Like, didn't he say that that was basically his story for years? Is he just he couldn't get anything? Like, there was no option for him. Well, I mean, I guess that's I could see that too, where where guys get pigeonholed as far as what they can play and what they can be. But you can't tell me like every time you look at Jack Gleason that you don't yeah, see I get freaking it. Right. Joffrey every damn right. time. It's very difficult to see anything else. I will agree yeah. about that. All right, well, I wonder what you guys will be talking about on the Big Bad Morning Show this week. Uh, nothing. I'm going to go lay in traffic, so I don't have to talk about it. So. At JeremyCon1057 on but, Twitter. By the way, I had about seven people come up to me this weekend and go, 
hey, man, you got to be tired of talking about Lamar. Let me ask you three questions. Oh, 100%. You know, every time and, and it, <laughs> I was, I was joking about it with Brent Urban last week. I was like, do you have, cause I like, if I'm getting it this frequently, you play for the team. It's gotta be every yeah. time you go anywhere where he gets it. I was like, do you have a stock answer? Like, is there something you just say? And he was like, I don't know. I just say, I don't know. <laughs> well, see, and I just saw Tony Jefferson subtweeted and said, man, I think both these guys, I think the Ravens and Lamar need to go in separate directions. And Marlon Humphrey just tweeted and said, man, shut up. Right. <laughs> like, shut your mouth. Right. What I'm you, saying that. It makes me you, wonder how the guys on the team feel and oh, what they know. I've, I've like, said, how close are you to them? You know, it's really funny. For everything that you can say that we've heard about other things, every guy I've talked to, like, it is a far bigger deal to them. Like, they care about one thing. Is Lamar Jackson on the team or not? Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, as explosive as the Steve Saunders stuff was, they cared more about Lamar Jackson. They yep. they needed to know that Lamar Jackson was going to be their quarterback. So whatever anybody else thinks about the guy, I have not found one, one not even privately. Like, this isn't just a public thing. Like, privately in conversation, one, everyone to a man, their single biggest concern is, is Lamar Jackson going to be on the team? Which is part of the reason why the only wide receiver they've been able to sign is Nelson Aguilar. Because Sweet. who, what real wide receiver would want to come play here? That's well, I mean, it's it's multiple reasons, then, right? You got to have the money for Lamar, right? Correct. And then on top of it, you, like you, yes, but you, even you even can't if, make any other move, even if Odell Beckham's <laughs> only looking for five million bucks, he wants that five million bucks from a place where he knows there's a quarterback. Like, yeah, that's the reality if, of the circumstances. If he's going to play on the cheap, he's definitely going to know that that team has a shot to go to the Super Bowl and who the uh, quarterback's going to be. Ding, ding. All right, my friend. I uh, love you. We'll hopefully have something else. We'll have some baseball games to discuss next Monday. Oh, we'll that, do, that sounds wonderful. We'll do that then. Thanks, pal. Appreciate you. We'll talk then. All right, man. I'll see you guys. Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan, with us here on GCR. Hi, hi, hi. Fun times, man. What a, what a great time we're having. What a, this, is, this is just awesome. Yeah. Again, I know. I wrote about what an idiot I feel like. I wrote about the Ravens today, or sorry, about the Orioles today for PressBoxOnline.com. <laughs> my season preview column was oh, my Monday exciting. column. I, well, it was more just about how awkward. <laughs> like I, I was doing this when I was doing one of these Lamar Jackson hits a couple weeks ago, and it might have been with my buddy Seren down in Kansas City because he's. A lot of times when you do these hits, somebody will throw something else at it you. Like, you know, let's 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 have an easy one, a light one, and then we'll get into the meat of the conversation, or they'll go the other way. And I do this too all the time. Like with Brent Urban, we talked about Whitney Houston and Our Lady Peace, and then we got into you know the other stuff. Um, but I'm one of these that I did. Somebody said, "Well, how you guys feeling about the Orioles?" And I know what I was supposed to say was, "Dude, we're excited about that." But my answer was, we, "We're kind of conflicted about that too." And like, I know that they didn't want me to get into a 10 minute diatribe about the lease and oh, right. spending money <laughs> and. Who the future ownership is going to be, and all of those things, right? This is, this like, is your last Kansas City hit, is what you're saying. Well, I, I don't know <laughs> if it, no, yeah, I don't remember, <laughs> even remember what was Kansas City, but I know so like it sounds like something Saran would have asked me. I didn't, I couldn't remember because I did so many damn, mm. you know, radio and podcast hits for that week, that first week of um, them putting the tag the on. Tag. I I couldn't remember who it was, but I remember then I'm like, I want to use that whenever I do my Orioles season preview column because my point is sort of like. It's awkward. It is awkward. Like we we are excited. We're definitely excited. It's the most qualified major league team we've had in a very long time. But it's a measured excitement because we also still have so many damn questions. 
Like, what do you mean by the next Tampa? Are you going to spend money? Will you sign one of these guys? Will you trade for somebody to put you over the top? Will you sign a free agent next offseason? Will you get the damn lease done already? Like, all of those things, it's unfortunate that they're conflicting with what should be the most excited we've ever been and is still the most excited we've been since 2017 going into opening day. It's just a bummer that instead of it just being that and our conversation is just being about what do you do with Grayson Rodriguez because he struggled a little bit during spring, do you still have him start the team? Instead of just talking about baseball stuff, we're instead still doing all of this other stuff, and that's a bummer. It's a disappointment that I'm conflicted. I wrote about that today at PressBoxOnline.com, but I don't feel like anybody's going to really have that much interest in reading it. So do me a favor today. Please go read it for me because right. I don't know. I'm going to need to steal a few clicks on this one. I'm going to need to steal a few. All right, let me get to some of these responses. From Matt Torper, if Lamar did, in fact, request the trade March 2nd, it makes the Ravens look silly for putting him on the non-exclusive tag. He is much more likely to play on the exclusive tag than the non-exclusive tag. If he is hell-bent on holding out on the non-tag, then he has no trade value. The Ravens are left hoping for a white knight to give him an offer sheet, which won't happen. I mean, we don't know that it won't happen, but it seems less likely. And if, if, if you want to say that this potentially brings other teams into the trade market. So here's, an, here's one area where maybe a trade request could be beneficial to the Ravens. Could that bring the 49ers into the market? Because the trade would be their picks and Trey Lance. The thing that we talked yeah. about last week with Would You Rather Wednesday. Now, one, that means that you uh, imagine you going on about how difficult it is to commit to Lamar Jackson as your quarterback because of injury. How many games has, of football has Trey Lance played since the 2019 season? I think one. He played one at North Dakota State. I think he played one, yeah, North Dakota State. How like, many total games And of then football? one for the 49ers, right? <laughs> I mean, am I, let, me, let me make sure I have this right. Because this is a scenario that everybody was talking about last week. Well, like, go get Trey Lance. He's played in eight career games. Now, how many of those did he start? He started four. He has four starts over the last two seasons, and he played in – I remember this correctly. They played a showcase game for him mm-hmm. the yes. pandemic year at North Dakota That's State. Correct. So five total starts over the last three years. Now, not all of that is injury-related, only the most recent one, right? Like, it's it's not all injury, but that's the guy that you want in comparison to the guy that you think that his availability is a problem. Five total starts at any level over the last three years. But maybe you do. Maybe that's your guy. And maybe the 49ers couldn't have been in on the offer sheet because they don't have a first-round pick. But if it's Trey Lance and another pick or two, or a whatever. bunch of picks, yeah, and most of their draft, and maybe two, maybe maybe it's Trey Lance and two future first-rounders and a second-rounder this year, something like that. Well, now you've put a team into the equation that couldn't have been in the equation before. Maybe you can speed up the process if Miami's blowing smoke. Maybe if Miami's been lying to everybody and saying we're committed to Tua, but they've, you know, that's all been bullass, maybe you can speed up the process here to if you want to deal for Tua. But again, imagine you continuing to say, I've got a problem with Lamar Jackson's availability and deciding that Tua Tungavailoa is going to be your answer at the quarterback position. 
Imagine. No disrespect to Tua, I think is talented, but if that's your problem, if that's the reason why you haven't want the Ravens to spend this money on Lamar Jackson is because of his availability, Tua? But that would be the only thing that could tangibly change is if it could bring teams into the market that otherwise wouldn't be able to be in the market because of the tag, because they don't have a first-round pick. Do, do I think that's likely? No. Do I think that either of those are good options? Not really. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a better option than nothing. It's a better yeah. option than those of you that just keep saying, well, the hell with it. Punt the season. It's better than that, I guess. At least with Trey Lance, you'd be trying to figure out if maybe there's an answer there. With Tua, you'd be praying to God that he can stay healthy. Like, and feeling you still wouldn't have good enough wide receivers. Yeah, and you just hope, I guess, that they can bridge this season and maybe there's a ends up being another quarterback that emerges in the mid, in, in, at the at that back end of the first round next year. Like, that's not Caleb Williams, like Drake May or something. I thought it seems like Drake May might be a, a pretty high round Maybe for high first round pick too. So yeah. I mean, I, I this is it's it's we, not everybody idea. just keeps saying, ah, oh, you know, it's just one year. It's first of all, I can't believe it that's the attitude. I can't believe that you think it's better to go. I'm, I'm dealing two with someone. Seventeen. Ran, Randy Randy Morgan says, I'm just saying that's leverage the Ravens have. I think it's generally bad business to wildly overpay players because they are children and will just take their ball and go home. Sets a horrible precedent. Probably better to lose one season and move on. So the horrible precedent is to potentially overpay someone, again, not what you're actually going to pay him, just to guarantee more of that money. Because what you're actually going to pay him isn't in question. It's just how much of it is over is guaranteed. That sets a horrible precedent, but punting at least one entire season doesn't? That's not a horrible precedent? To just say, we're... we're Waving the white flag, and there's so much, and there's so much margin for error too. Because if you don't go two and seventeen, you end up winning a third game by accident, and then you miss out on the first round pick, and then you, and then like, if it's not Caleb Williams, then are you completely screwed again? Like, it just doesn't. It, it's, it's not. It's, it's not unbelievable a, that this is where we are. Like, it's unbelievable that the adults in the room aren't willing to say like, "Hey, dude, I don't really want to give that guy more guaranteed money than we have to," but. Dude, it's definitely better than any of these scenarios that we're talking about. Again, unless, and I still would say it's better than, but unless there's knowledge that somebody's willing to give you a top five pick. And I'd still rather just have Lamar Jackson, but it's the closest thing I can come up with to a redeemable backup plan. Like, redeemable, and again, closest. It's not, it's not good. It's where we are. Fun! Stan the Fan, Ross Glimsley. They don't have to talk about this tonight. They can talk baseball with Kenny Singleton tonight on uh, Facebook Live. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports is where you can see it. I would go do that right now. Well, not now. Tonight I would do it. What am I talking about? It's not, we're here now. We're here. You're there. Like, you go do that tonight, and then if you miss it, you can watch it at uh, PressBoxOnline.com slash video or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. My head's all over the place. We still need to play the Mike Greenberg interview, so yeah. we'll do that. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> um, and we'll get a tidbit and two to wrap it up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? CCBC has great news for you. We have funding available for short-term career programs like project management starting this March. Gain valuable skills to advance your career and get back on track. With CCBC's project management program, you'll learn how to effectively plan, organize, and execute projects. This is your chance to make a positive change in life. Contact us at 443-840-2222 or online ccbcm.com. MD.edu for more information. CCBC Project Management. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I swear! Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, back in here on GCR as we are winding down for a Monday edition of the program, which has gone quite sideways from where we thought this Monday edition of the program was going to be, but that's all right. It's what it is. Um, you know it's not sideways is making sure that you register with uh, pressboxonline.com slash offers for the newest sports book in the state of Maryland, which is Bet Fred. But you got to do it through pressboxonline.com slash offers because if you go there, again, pressboxonline.com slash offers and click on the Bet Fred link, 
then you can bet $50 and get up to $1,111 in bonus Fred bets. Again, you got to do it through pressboxonline.com slash offers in order to take advantage of that deal. Tidbit is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, Caitlin Clark, triple-double last night. Uh, she scored 40, 40-point 40 triple-double, uh, but it was at the same time it also became the first 30-point triple-double in uh, tournament history. Uh, on the women's side, as Caitlin Clark had, she almost had a quadruple double because she had like she had forty points, she had the ten and ten rebounds and assists, and then she had like nine turnovers. It's unbelievable. I mean, are you, so you think the, turn, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, the you're trying to take a better. shot at Caitlin Clark? No, I'm not taking a she shot. Had a forty point triple double, and you're trying to throw in. She, yeah, she but she turned the ball over she nine just, times. No, no, no. But she should have just gone Jeez, for the quadruple no, double. No, that's not a thing. Just handed it off. Not a thing. Jesus. Um, it's the first Elite Eight uh, in, in women's history, or on the women's side, uh, with no UConn or Stanford since 1999. At least UConn or Stanford has been in the Elite Eight every year since 1999. Not this year. Uh, the I like the one that Debbie Antonelli dropped on us, that uh, they have five top ten wins, yep. which is the first time since 2006. Mm-hmm. Of course, won the title in yeah, You hope history repeats yeah. itself, but... Ain't going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. South Carolina has held each of their first three opponents in the tournament under 50 points. In the first three games, they're the seventh team to do that. The previous six, uh, two of them went on to win the title. So, solid company for, for the Gamecocks. Um, on the men's side, it was the first Elite Eight. I mean, it feels like kind of old news now, but it was the first Elite Eight with no number one seeds ever uh, in the tournament. Uh, as after uh, Houston and, and um, Alabama went down back-to-back on Friday night. And uh, Brandon Miller uh, had a dreadful shooting performance. He went three for 19, I think, in that game. And in the tournament, three games, he uh, went eight for 41. The worst shooting percentage with at least 35 field goal attempts. Uh, This is a weird thing. Like, I'm really glad that we don't have to talk about Brandon Miller. Like, I I hate that because, like, maybe he's not really evil, right? Like, maybe he really did know nothing, just gave a guy the gun like and didn't know anything about what was going to happen. But there's enough question there for me that I did not want to see, you know, the celebration, the praise. Like even when we were talking to Chris Stewart a couple weeks ago, like it was uncomfortable for mm-hmm. me. Dude, maybe you're right. Like maybe the guy is a really good guy who just made what he now knows is a horrible mistake. And maybe he's just stupid and didn't think about how awful it was that he was doing the pat down because, you know, well, he started it before any of this ever happened. Like, never crossed his mind that, like, it would be, look, inappropriate. But there's enough question there for me that, like, I'm good with it being anybody else. Mm-hmm. I'm good with it being anyone else who gets celebrated. I might be, like, off base, but, like, how similar is this to, like, the, what happened with Ray Lewis? Not similar at it's all. It's not similar at all. So this is the part that, well, I mean, to say it's not similar at all. Th- what's similar is... It would be inappropriate for someone to label Brandon Miller as a murderer. Mm-hmm. The way that it was inappropriate for anyone to ever suggest that Ray Lewis was involved in a murder. He was not. In any way. In no capacity. And no one even attempted to suggest that he was. They just had this weird rule in Georgia where anyone who was at the scene could be charged with murder. Gotcha. So they did it in an attempt to get him to rat out his friends. He wasn't going to do that, so they said, well, we're going to go through with this. They had no hope of 
getting any sort of conviction on Ray Lewis because they literally could not present that he was involved with a murder because there was no evidence of that. They were just hoping to get him to... Eventually, they were able to get him to flip, at which point he had nothing to... They gave up a murder charge knowing he had nothing to say. Gotcha. That's how weak the case was. The the case was so weak that they still gave up on it knowing it wasn't going to help them get a conviction, even on his friends. Um... Because there was just nothing there. Now, the negativity it gave to Ray Lewis was overwhelming. Because without any of that context, everybody just said, well, Ray Lewis was a murderer. Right. Or was covered up a murder. The truth was, and this is the part that nobody wants to talk about, what was uncovered, or what was determined by a jury of peers, was that it was an act of self-defense. That two men died that night that Ray Lewis also still had nothing to do with. Mm-hmm. Like, he still wasn't even involved in an act of self-defense. It's, a, it's different here because there was definitely a murder. There's no question that a young woman was murdered somehow. There's no debate about it. There's no, like, I mean, I, I say that. I think they might even be trying to present the argument of self-defense. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I shouldn't say anything here. Maybe there is more, you know, comparison there with Ray Lewis. But... We had all the evidence. Like, we had everything by the time we got around to, like, this is why it might be unfair to Brandon Miller. It might be that as more comes out, there's more that definitively shows he didn't do anything wrong. He really knew nothing. He really, but that text message. Yeah, the text message. That don't look good, man. Like, there's there's enough there that I was uncomfortable with it. Plenty of people were uncomfortable when Ray Lewis won the Super Bowl, but that's because they didn't know. They didn't pay attention to it the way that we paid attention to it to know, oh, there's nothing there. Like, there's literally nothing there. There is the one thing that you can say is he still was wrong to have destroyed evidence, to have gotten rid of the clothes everybody was wearing. That was wrong. He felt like he was doing it to protect his friends, but that's ultimately a a crime and that's why he had to plead guilty to obstruction of justice right like because that ultimately was wrong but again with the facts that came out that no one was murdered no matter how many times people in cleveland attempt to rewrite the story and make it seem like there was a there were murders that were occurred some two people died and that's terrible but a jury made a determination there's not we we know who killed these people we know they killed them out of self-defense that that's it. That's the end of it. So he was wrong, though Ray Lewis, and you know he's talked about it. Well, he doesn't like talking about it, yeah. but um, he was wrong to have gotten rid of the clothes that they were wearing. That was, you know, that was not okay. There's no getting around that. Not not acceptable in any way. But the fact, it's interesting you ask the question, right? We mm-hmm. if if the Super Bowl had occurred the week after the Ray Lewis story, or like in the I probably would have been uncomfortable then. Well, I was a kid then, so I don't know what I would have felt. But, like, I would probably be saying the same thing now. I'm I'm giving the benefit of a year from now, we might know so much about the Brandon Miller situation that we're not uncomfortable with it at all. But gotcha. the little that we know, I'm not saying that, I'm not telling you he's evil. I'm not telling you he was involved in a murder. I'm just saying it's uncomfortable enough that I was kind of glad that it wasn't. That we didn't have to. That exactly they, yeah. right. Um. On the other side of the bracket, Kansas State, uh, they made the Elite Eight. Uh, however, they did lose to FAU, um, 
And uh, it was their eighth consecutive Elite Eight loss, which is the most consecutive losses in the Elite Eight. So the last time they made the Final Four was 64. They, every time they've made the Elite Eight since then, they have lost. So they have no Elite Eight wins in that, that long, which is the most consecutive losses in an Elite Eight game. Uh, despite the loss, Noel, uh, Marquise Noel did become the fourth player with 30 points and 10 assists in an NCAA tournament game. Uh, since since assists became an official stat in 1984, do you think that you could name the other? Probably not. Give yeah, me give me three. give it to me one more time while I 30 points. Yeah, 10 assists. He is the fourth player to ever do this in the tournament. 30 points. 10, 10 assists. assists. It has not been done in 33 years. No, I don't. I don't think there's any 30 in 33 years. Yeah. You said so. What year? So the first what three guys doing? did it in 90. So 89 and 87. 30. Um, ninety. UNLV. UNLV. Uh, is it the same? Uh, like, is it the same conversation we had? Is no, it the same? it's a different player. Yeah. So I'll try Stacy Ogman this time. No, not not Stacy Ogman. It's never gonna be Stacy Ogman. No, I guess not. <sighs> Give it to you. No, wait. Okay, let me okay. think this through. Okay. Let me think this through. Settle down over there, you. Nineteen ninety UNLV. It's not Larry Johnson. It's. Greg Anthony? Not Greg Anthony. Right. A- Who is Anderson it? Hunt. Anderson I, Hunt. I mean, I, I vaguely remember that name, but I wasn't coming up with that. Uh, the next one, or the one before that. 89, Glenn Rice? No. Michigan? It was Oregon State. Oh, uh, Oregon State, Gary Payton? Gary Payton. Gary Payton, 30 and 10 in 89. Yeah. Uh, and then in 87, with uh, Providence. 87, Providence. 87 and should I know this one? Uh I mean you should he is the I mean this will uh, this might uh, should give it away but he's, he's a coach. Yeah, he's a coach in the NBA. In the NBA. Uh oh god. I um Billy Donovan? Billy yeah, Donovan. Billy yep, Donovan. Billy Donovan. Yes. 30 and 10 in uh 1987. Also uh so Vladislav Golden, the 7 foot 1 center for uh, FAU, uh, had a double double. Marquise Noel was 5'8". He had a double double okay. as well. So this is the largest height difference ah, how about between that? two pl- opposing players to have that? a double double. That's very interesting. <laughs> that is an interesting tidbit, actually. That's a good tidbit. Thank you. How about that? <laughs> All right, very good. That's a tidbit for today. Tubular is brought to you today by Birdland Sports. Still time before the home opener. If you're going to Boston, I can't promise you that you're going to get it in time. But still time to get your orders in before the home opener. Through the end of this week, I'm comfortable. Through the end of this week, you get your order in, you will have it. For opening day, great gear. The uh, 2023 World Series champs T-shirts, the wire theme stuff they've got there. So many fun shirts by Birds fans for Birds fans. Prices cheaper than the big guys. The quality remains just the same. BirdlandSports.com is the website. Get your orders in now. All right, here's what's coming up tonight. Totally tubular wise. Final game of spring training for the Orioles this afternoon, and it's on TV. How about that? As the Orioles wrap up the spring, uh, they'll be off for the next two days before the opener on Thursday. They take on the Cardinals at 1 o'clock. Dean Kramer, who we believe is going to be the home opener starter because he's starting the second game in Boston. Like If they go with a five-man rotation, he would start the the seventh game. But, you know, they have not confirmed that yet. We just believe that it sets up for Dean Kramer to start the home opener. Maybe they'll call up Grayson. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll go with the six-man rotation. Maybe they'll, like, who knows? Maybe they'll decide to skip somebody. I don't know what they'll do, but what I know is that Dean Kramer is starting today at 1 o'clock on Madison against Jordan Montgomery. 
Um, MLB Network, Rays, Yankees at 1, White Sox, Cubs at 4, Royals, Rangers at 8. Of course, the big one tonight, Maryland, South Carolina, 7 o'clock for a trip to the Final Four. It's on ESPN, followed by Ohio State, Virginia Tech at 9. NBA TV, Mavs, Pacers at 7, Sixers, Nuggets at 9.30, Kraken Wild at 8 on ESPN Plus and Hulu. U.S. men's national team in action tonight, 7.30 against El Salvador in the CONCACAF Nations League on TNT. They already clinched their spot in the Gold Cup. Uh, That's like 15 consecutive Gold Cup qualifications. Soccer country, go ahead and have your dumb baseball thing, Japan. We're a football country over here, a proper football nation qualifying for the Gold Cup literally every time. Boom. Take that. Best in the world. Boom. Tennis Channel, ATP uh, Miami Open and WTA Miami Open continues right now. Uh, their app stinks. However. Yeah, I was going to just awful. ask. Did they ever figure that uh, out? A little, a little Monday Night Football tonight on ESPN, too. Oh, the yes. Houston Roughnecks and the D.C. Defenders at 7 o'clock. The USA Network for WWE uh, Monday I, Night Raw at 8. I switched over to the Guardians-Sea Dragons game like right after the Maryland game ended ah, Saturday afternoon, uh, and it was like the middle of the second quarter. I, I apologize. Proctor's been chiming in this whole oh. time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, John Proctor. I'm all over the place today. Uh, he let us know that uh, The Lighthouse was the name of the film. With oh, Robert yes. Pattinson, yes. And uh, tried to make a Tua joke. Eh, boo. Let's hear Says, it. can't even kick the tires with Tua. He'd probably just get another concussion in the process. Because kicking the... Kicking, he'd get a concussion. It was worth the shot. Like, it's not even... I even tried to clean it up for him because it was wor- worded worse than that. It's just... And I'm not really sure that we should make it. And he did follow up, and uh, dude should probably retire. Young, unfortunately, talented guy. Yes, I... That's why it would not be the answer for me. Like, I can't imagine saying that Delmar Jackson's availability is a problem and then turning to Tua Tungavailoa as your answer. I can't fathom that, but we live in a bizarre world. Anything non-sports-wise? Yeah, well, anyway, the second quarter of that XFL game, they didn't take a single break, so that was pretty ah, how cool. How about that? I was, I was like, oh, this is sick. Um, it is the 2023 iHeartRadio Music Awards on Fox, hosted by Lenny Kravitz. I love Lenny Kravitz, but I I don't care about that. Uh, it is the season finale of The Bachelor tonight at okay. 8 on uh, ABC. Uh, Chris Pine uh, and Lil Dicky are going to be on Jimmy Kimmel because the, the Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons was movie. Lil Dicky in the Dungeons and no, Dragons movie. Well, I guess there's it's a new Dave, there's a new, yeah, Dave new season. Of I don't Dave. remember exactly when it is, but it's definitely soon. Um. So, but yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. I'm not sure if that's going to be good. I don't like. I'm trying to. Figure I, out it does nothing for me. Yeah. Though, so. Uh, James Corden's going to have Lil Nas X and Julie Bowen. Julie Bowen's from I Baltimore. Love, she is very much from Baltimore. I, I did not know that. I don't know what she's in, though, because Modern Neither Family's been over it, for a little while. Yes, because I was trying to look it up. The only thing I can see, she is an executive producer for Prom Pact, which is a Disney original movie coming out you say so. later this year. I love Julie Bowen, though. I've never had her on a show, though, oh. randomly. like, I, and somebody, I remember somebody telling me they were close with Julie Bowen and would get her on the show, but... Never got her on. Of course, once upon a time, she was the subject of all young men's fantasies, and uh, Happy Gilmore, of mm. course, was uh, was her breakout. And then, obviously, Modern Family turned her into kind of a mega star in the process. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've never talked to her. Jeff Goldblum's still making his run, his runs for whatever he's on. Seth Meyers tonight. What, yeah, what is he plugging? I don't even. Uh, know. Still his EP, I guess. Oh right, because he's in a music thing. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's it. All right, very yeah. good. Thanks today too. Oh, do I have another? I got to do another read, don't I? Talk I, about uh, the uh, the press box. Print oh yeah, edition. it's available only for another couple weeks though. So go get it right now. Gunnar Henderson on the cover for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms and of those hundreds of locations around town where you find press box. Thanks today to Debbie Antonelli. Thanks to Rita. Thanks to Jeremy. And we're about to hear from Mike Greenberg. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the. Oh my God, it's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Um, I'm assuming Patrick will join us tomorrow. We'll preview the Final Four and stuff. Lamometer update. Lamometer update. Yes, after I reconsider what I should have done based on this news today. 
All right, thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including the Baltimore County Police Department, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Hartford Community College, CCBC, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin, at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go Maryland women. Duke sucks. We wrap up today's show. Warning, this was recorded on Friday. There will be things that perhaps when we start talking about Lamar Jackson that won't make a whole lot of sense. But it was a really great conversation with Mike Greenberg we wanted to share with you to wrap up today's show. Well, it's a pleasure to be joined now here on GCR by a man who has been a part of all of our lives as sports fans for a long time. And he's got a fun new book out. It's called Got Your Number. Wrote it with uh, his, it's his producer, uh, Hembo. And it's a fun coffee table. The point of this book is for me to get mad about it and for me to fight with him Mike Greenberg, how in the hell is Brooks Robinson not your choice for number five? This book is terrible. I don't want to read it any longer. <laughs> well, I, I will say this, and, and the, the, the honest reason that, that Brooks Robinson is not number five is because my father grew up in the Bronx in the 1930s. It is as simple as that. And um, I was raised to believe that there, that, that there were, we had questions about a lot of things. But the one thing we did not question is that Joe DiMaggio was a deity, and um, he will be that for as long as I live. And so even before before the, the, the book was an idea in my brain, Joe DiMaggio was number five. I, I Trust me, Mike. I, Joe DiMaggio is a fine selection. I know that. I am not unreasonable <laughs> about this. Mike Greenberg is with us, and, and it's, it really is a fun book. Take me through the con- – was the concept when you sat down – to say, I want to take all of these numbers and I want to, you know, solve this puzzle. Who's the best at each number? Because that does get a little convoluted at points during the process. Or was it really, I want to come up with like a coffee table book that can kind of tell some of the history of sport and numbers kind of provides a way to go about doing that. Well, like most things, it happened completely by accident. Um, it, and almost anything I've ever set out to do has not worked. And then, and then every once in a while, something very fortuitous happens and I am the beneficiary of it. So one day after we had finished the TV show, we were sitting around a bunch of us on the staff, just a bunch of sports geeks sitting around talking. And someone made the observation for no good reason. How many Hall of Fame quarterbacks all wore the jersey number 12? So Bob Greasy, Ken Stabler, Terry Bradshaw, Roger Staubach, Jim Kelly, um, you know, and someday Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Yep. And and someone in the room said, sure, they all wore the number 12, but who owns the number 12? And literally in that second, the idea just occurred to me. I called my literary agent and I said, I think I have an idea to do a book on who owns every number from one to a hundred. And he said, that's a pretty good idea. And so I talked it over with Hembo and we went about trying to put it together. And the Jersey numbers were easy. So, you know, you can, you don't need me to tell you who's number three and who's number 23 and who's number 99 and who's number 42. But what what we we immediately figured out was that we were about to do a book that didn't have room for Muhammad Ali and didn't have room for Serena Williams and didn't have room for Tiger Woods and Jack Nicholas and other, the other greatest individual, you know, sport athletes and things like that. And so, we realized, for example, that if I say the number 56, some people might immediately think of Lawrence Taylor. I think you could argue that 
maybe more people would think of Joe DiMaggio's hitting streak. Mm. Um, and, and so we realized there are ways to give numbers to people, say they own numbers that go well beyond just Jersey numbers. So I would say maybe half the numbers in the book are Jersey numbers. And the other half yep. are numbers that derive from other places entirely. Um, and that was the fun of it. Um, so that we do not have a book that is filled with some of the greatest legends and heroes in sports history. But in this case, I think it is filled with almost all of them and, um, and, and the numbers that they own. So that was where the idea came from, and that's how we did it. And, of course, that was relevant. It comes up with Cal Ripken, for example, where he's not number eight, but yet somewhere later in the book you discover that Cal Ripken is still featured prominently using a different number that's very relevant to us. Again, the book is Got Your Number. Uh, Mike Greenberg is with us here on GCR. Mike, was there anything at all that even when you went back and you read the final book and decided everything that was going to be, but then you went back and said, oh, my God, we didn't get this person or we didn't figure out a way to come up with it. Man, did you find yourself saying, I'm already mad at myself and the book isn't even out yet? Yes. Um, And and mostly that has to do with the construction of timing. So all of the records and all of the statistics and all of the numbers that exist in the book um, as we write, are, are valid, uh, you know, as of a certain date. Like some of the athletes are active, and there was nothing we could do about that. A book has to be put to bed, in, in our case, almost a year before it came out. And if we were to do it now, uh, for example, I think I would give 15 to Patrick Mahomes. Um, hmm. But a year ago at this time, hmm. a year ago at this time, I didn't think so. Like he was coming off of playing a bad game in the AFC Championship game, and you know, there were some questions about whether he was even the top guy of his own era anymore. You know, was, did he have competition for that? I, if I were writing the book today, I, w- I think I would put Mahomes at 15, and I, there were probably some others like that. So th- that's probably the biggest thing is that, you know, over the course of time, Aaron Judge broke the, home, the single, se- not the single season home run record, but in many people's view, became the single season home run champion, or at least the clean single season home run champion. And it would have been nice, perhaps, to include him. We actually kicked around the idea of going back and redoing that. But it would have knocked Arnold Palmer out of the book, or it would have meant we needed to give Palmer a different number, which would have mm-hmm. knocked that's someone else yeah. out of the book. So we decided to leave it. So that's, that's the kind of thing that because we were not discounting active athletes, active people, um, some of that was going to be unavoidable. And, and that, that, I would say, was the hardest part of that. There's a lot of Baltimore connections. I mentioned uh, Cal Ripken pops up. Pops up. Uh, thankfully, we got it right at number 19 with John Unitas. That one, that one we might have actually thought about, by the way, Mike. John Unitas, I think it's, it, is, it is almost incredible to me how overlooked he is in the, the modern discussion of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And I think so much of that is based upon the fact that almost all record keeping now goes back to the merger or goes back to the start of the Super Bowl era. And so much of Unitas's career came before that. Bart Starr falls into that as well. And obviously Unitas versus Starr is, is uh, no, no, no person who knows anything about football history. If, 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 well, let's put it this way. If you start talking about the greatest quarterback rivalries in the history of pro football and the person that you're talking to does not mention Bart Starr and Johnny Unitas, then immediately discount that conversation. If you're talking to a person who doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. So 
when we talk about the great quarterbacks, and we mentioned Brady, as we should, and we yeah. mentioned Montana, as we should, and we mentioned, uh, you know, in my opinion, Elway, as we should, and some of the others, if you don't mention uh, Johnny Unitas, then you just don't know what you're talking about. Uh, th- there, was, there was a long period of time in which the answer to the question, who is the greatest quarterback that ever lived, was every bit as easy as it is now um, to answer, and the answer was Johnny Unitas. Yep. And uh, so, I mean, anyone who wouldn't put him in a book like this, with all due respect to them, just doesn't have the first clue what they're talking about. I want to be very clear. The, the answer is still John Unitas. Now, I don't, I got all due respect to Mr. Brady, uh, but my, no, in this city, the answer will forever be John Unitas. That's just the way that it goes. Um, again, well, I think that's, that's, that's a, it's, it, it's a, it's a, it's a reasonable argument to defend. I think if you look at, at the totality of the accomplishments of the player, and particularly the sure. longevity. It's just impossible for me to discount all the stuff that Brady has done. If Brady had stopped at four, even if Brady had never won one without Belichick, then I could have seen some of the arguments to, to discount his, his career accomplishments. But at this point, I think it's impossible to do. I, I promise I am not, even though I work in this business, I am not the completely unreasonable man that would try to fight about this. I do understand <laughs> exactly what you're saying, Mike. I promise yeah. you. Um, and Mike, it's interesting that we have you because speaking of unreasonable, we, there was a time a couple years ago we thought that maybe we might not know who the greatest number eight was in Baltimore sports history because a couple years ago we thought there was a guy that was on the trajectory to becoming that guy and maybe being equal to Cal Ripken in the way that we viewed him. We're not sure at this point where we are with Lamar Jackson. I know it's driving what you guys do every day on Get Up, on your show. Like I understand it's all we're ever talking about. I wonder as a Jets fan, like if for some reason Aaron Rodgers tomorrow said, I'm done, right? Like, I just don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm just, I'm, I'm retiring. I'm not going to go to New York. I am done playing football. It's over. Would you, as a Jets fan, wish to see the team pivot towards a very high price for Lamar Jackson? Hell yes. Okay. Um, uh, absolutely. Um, and, 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 I mean, that's the easiest question I'll ever be asked. Have you seen the people the Jets have playing quarterback? I understand that. Uh, In in the last five or six years, uh, including in the draft in which Lamar was selected, the Jets took two quarterbacks in the top three picks. One of them is bad. The other one may literally be the worst player ever. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, the idea of having Lamar Jackson sounds unbelievably good. Um, I, I like the idea of Rogers better because of the lesser cost, um, which is to say you don't have to go to a place where you, you have this five-year guaranteed, fully guaranteed contract and you don't have to trade two first-round picks. And I think that the result, while probably for a shorter period of time, might be just as good, if not better. Um, if you told me that Rogers wasn't an option and Lamar Jackson was, I think you would have to be insane as a fan, not to jump at that. Um, and look, I understand the complications of this, um, which is to say that I think NFL owners since the inception of the league have not wanted to, to give fully guaranteed contracts to players. It is one of the ways they exercise all of this power, control, and leverage over the players. It is candidly completely unfair, in my opinion, and has always been. A non-guaranteed contract to me is just a misnomer. 
Um, it is like jumbo shrimp. What does that even mean? Like you can't be both of those at the same time. Either we have a contract or we don't. Right. Either you agree you're going to pay me this money or we don't. The idea that every contract in the NFL is only guaranteed one way is just steadfastly unfair. But that's the way that business has been run forever. And the players don't seem to be able to change it in collective bargaining ever. So as long as those are the rules, I understand the owners not wanting to see it changed. So I understand why Steve Bushotti is standing where he is. And I don't think any owner is rushing to do it. Um, so I think this standoff has the potential to last a really long oh. time. And for the life of me, I have no idea how it eventually is. Mike, we've gotten to the point where in local media, I'm, I have a meter over my shoulder that reads the percentage chance that I think Lamar Jackson is going to be the Ravens quarterback because that's what we're doing to get by because we're doing this every day, right? Like, this is the state. And what is the meter at? Uh, what, what, what is it at? Right? Well, you know, there's a little radio secret here that when I'm talking to you, I need to adjust to what the news is going to be over the weekend. The most recent reading, as you and I discussed, was at 63 three percent 60 sorry 64 percent was the most recent reading uh because 64 percent yes we're, we're yes because we're at the point where the, the 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 guy that founded the globo gym is now negotiating for lamar jackson so who the hell knows what is going on in this process now and what might what lamar... is the percentage chance that he isn't playing for anybody we that's part of the reason why the number is only at 64 percent because i'm factoring that yeah. into the equation mike, mike but you referenced something and i and i promise i'm not going to keep you forever I, I know how busy of a man you are but you reference something to me that is is really interesting in when we talk about this from a fandom perspective, which is there are Ravens fans that are just kind of sick of it and they're like, oh, I'm really ready to move on. And my response back is, ready to move on to what? What are you ready to move on to? Because we've been through this. Like there was a day Joe Flacco was a savior to this franchise and wasn't in any way a Hall of Fame quarterback. We, if you're of a certain age, you remember when the Ravens were the team that was wandering through the wilderness. The danger of saying, hey, we don't want to pay this price, to me, is a much lesser risk than the danger of we might not have a quarterback. Because the moment you're that as an NFL franchise, you're irrelevant. Your existence is irrelevant as a franchise the moment you don't have a quarterback. For sure. I can't understand any fan who doesn't want it to happen. It's not your money. I understand why the owner doesn't want to do it because it is changing. It is creating a precedent. It is, it is letting toothpaste that will never go back into the tube out. Um, I can't understand any fan who is faced solely with the question, do I want someone else to spend a bunch of their money on keeping this guy as my quarterback or right. not? Right. Um, I, I would invite that person to watch Zach Wilson play for five minutes and then tell me how they feel about it. Like that's, that's what's out there folks. I mean, you know, it is a vast wasteland. There are not 32 of these guys walking the face of planet earth. And, and Lamar Jackson, I understand that it isn't everything that you want a quarterback to be, but it is so much. And it is, for the things he does, he does better than anyone has ever done. And the answer to the question, can you win with him, I think is undoubtedly yes. Um, and when you say, why hasn't he won a championship yet? I would say, well, Joe Burrow hasn't won a championship sure. yet. And Josh Allen hasn't won a championship yet. And a lot of other guys haven't won championships. And I never hear people ask those questions about them. I get that Lamar does it a little differently. Um, but he does it brilliantly, and I, I can't fathom not wanting someone else 
to spend a bunch of their money to make sure he remains your quarterback for the next five years. I, I don't have any idea what you would be hoping happens instead. My God, we are in strong agreement about this. You, you know, I, I've, as someone who's watching, we have not always been in strong agreement about everything, but boy, we couldn't be in stronger agreement when it comes to this topic. Jesus. Well, no two people who are even remotely interesting yes, are ever going to yes. be in total agreement about yes. everything. I actually write that in the book that sports is the only place where, in my opinion, subjects don't descend into debate. They ascend right. into debate. Right. Sports debate is, is, it is it, in my opinion, the healthiest and best form of debate that we have in America because you and I could strongly disagree on this topic yep. or on Brooks Robinson or on Johnny Unitas or anything, and we would emerge from that debate not wishing ill upon each other. Um, and I, I would still wish you well in your life. I would just disagree <laughs> with your opinion, and I'd like to think you would feel the same way about me. Whereas the way we disagree about almost everything else in America today uh, sort of descends into you're an evil person, and I hope terrible things happen to you. And so I think if all of our debate was held on a level that our sports debate is held, we would be a hell of a lot healthier as a society. This almost sounds like your campaign speech, Mike. You better be careful. You might not be. <laughs> I'm, running, I'm running to become the president of sports. That's my goal. I, I want to be the president of all sports. Got Your Number is the book. We will link it up, uh, an Amazon link on our Twitter account, at Glenn Clark Radio, and you can go check it out right now. Uh, Mike Greenberg, this is a lot of fun, man. Really enjoyed the book. Appreciate taking the time to join us this morning. Thanks so much for doing it. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it, too.